Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever. Decided to start a podcast to review each one, each episode myself. And revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We're here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts if we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. You can get us on any of our social media accounts at bestpicturecast. That will be Twitter. That will be Facebook. It would be Instagram. We have all these great reels that our own Grant C puts together these days. And uh, you can get us on Letterboxd, too. We're here, willing to talk to you, ready to go, and we're back. And it's back to the 70s with Best Picture cast. The earliest part of the 70s as far as the Oscars concerned. 1970, Patton, George C. Scott. Holy cow, this is happening, folks. And I have a new crew here with us. A new combination of people. At least their voices you've heard before. And uh, here's one you've heard quite recently if you're up to date on your most recent Best Picture cast episodes. He is the dual winner of our action tournament. He is making his uh, second appearance with Best Picture winners. His name is Steve B. Steve, welcome back. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here and talk Patton. Thank you. Yeah, we had you on that long layover there for a while. We iced you after uh, 12 Years a Slave and Twins, and then now you're back to do a little T2, do a little Armageddon, and eh, a little three hours of Patton. Yeah, yeah it was a long one, but uh, a lot to unpack. Only slightly longer than Armageddon, though, believe it or not. Uh, and with us as well, we have a, a another regular here. He is Oz. Oz. Reporting for duty, sir. Yes. We all have our helmets on, I hope. Yes. yes. So Kieran gave us a rousing speech to pump us up before this. He, so. slapped, he slapped the shit out of both of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We're all wearing our helmets here. We uh, have the flag draped down. And this is the, uh, the day after the 4th of July. The 5th of July, if you will. So, Appropriate. Yes, we're all feeling our red, white, and blue. Uh, we are feeling uh, real, real ready to go here in, in our patriotic style. And this is a movie couldn't start in a more patriotic way with that big old flag to start before even the credits. It's definitely an honor to be here with the uh, undisputed king of action, Steve. <laughs> Two tournament wins, just blowing everybody out. Yeah, you were uh, right up there with, with George C. Scott as a winner this, this year. And 
He me, swept it. Yeah, Oz, me and you just stay in the uh, the loser's pen. We have- uh, yeah, I don't even come close, but I had fun during that draft, uh, and I'm yes. telling myself that's all that matters. I don't think, right? uh, I don't think Mr. Patton would uh, agree with no. that whatsoever. We dig in a lot around here with me, you, and, and the Frasers, and, and Brendan B., who was supposed to be here today, who couldn't end up making it. Uh, we are all yet to win anything. So. I, General Patton would slap me around for not looking to win basically. <laughs> and he'd probably slap you around for your general, general, uh, punctuality issues. Yes. He, he would, would not be happy. Would. In you. fact, I mean, uh, Joey R might just do that with it. We don't, we might not even need that. <laughs> we have our own yeah. patent. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good thing. But we are all here. We all are ready to talk about this 1970 best picture winner. Uh, I also brought with me, uh, I guess I'll call them the historians of the podcast in the sense that we're, these were our two history buffs here. Uh, Brendan B would probably have been the third, but uh, you guys are, I mean, Steve, you have a, a history major. Am mm. I correct? There? You're correct. Um, it is summertime, though, and I'm off from work, and I've been a very bad, not bad boy, but that sounds terrible. Then I'll get slapped <laughs> around. But, um, I haven't done as much homework as, uh, as I could so have you done. Haven't, it, you haven't read uh, the haven't entire read source I, material like I, you did with Solomon Northrup's uh, 12 the book, Years a Slave. Yeah, I have, the, I have Patton couple books in my office over there and I thumbed through a few today but it's just it's too hot it's almost 100 degrees and I just I didn't have it in me the beach is calling your name yeah. you can't be reading hey, teachers put in all that work through the year because in the summer hits they deserve some, I agree. some time off I agree. <laughs> uh, and Oz you're more of just a, a just a casual history buff like yeah, a Tony I, Soprano you know, style I, yeah just like anything documentary wise I just yeah. like to jump into um, you know I wish I did read a little bit more of these days but if you caught me like five six years ago you know, then, then I was a reader. Okay. Know. So then I'll start with you, Oz. Yeah. What was, forget about the movie. Yeah. What was your familiarity with General Patton coming into this? Did you have any at all? Yeah, I, it's funny. I had no idea about the movie at all. Okay. But I, I uh, he's an interesting character, obviously. Um, and if you go, if you have any interest in World War II, he's just, he's going to come up. Mm. And it's, and uh there's a ton of material on him out there. I, I wouldn't even know where to begin as far as like books, documentaries, but he's such an interesting character. There's so much on him. Steve, how about you? I mean, I know we, we actually, this is one of the rare movies where um, I watched it with the, the co-host here. So we watched this one together. So you, before we press play, you kind of fired off a couple things that you knew about him and sure enough, they showed up on screen. But what, what were your familiarities with uh, General Patton? I did read a biography years ago, 15 years ago, that when it was like more of a character study, personality study. So I kind of just knew um, that he was a hard-nosed guy, got in trouble a few times for certain things that he did, whether it be slapping officers or saying comments about um, Germans or Nazi Germany, um, but kind of just his personality, not much about his wartime stuff. I do know that he was a big reader and studied other generals, uh, and they show that in the movie also. Um, with Rommel. What I remembered the most um, leading into this about him, like Patton the man, not the movie, was how he really wanted to keep fighting with Russia. That's what I remember the most leading into this, that that was a big, uh, big part of his legacy is that he was, uh, once World War II ended, he was like, let's keep, you know, let's keep, keep, keep marching. Going. I don't trust keep, the, Ru- yeah, he was like, keep let's keep going. I, I've said this on this podcast before, I'm, I'm, my, History is terrible. I mean, I, I was like one of those. I was good. I was good at it when I was in middle school, and just got worse and worse as the years went on. You know, did did all right on my my standardized tests, but just it was was not something that I um I really developed beyond high school. As far as the movie goes, this was one that I watched 
early on in the in the run here, so it would have been a, a good fifteen plus years ago, probably right out of college. And it chalk it up as one of those that I just remember nothing about outside of that first scene. About three years ago or so, we were living in Long Beach. I, I fired this one up because I was so unfamiliar before we had the podcast going. So it would have been a little more than three. Got it going and watched probably the first half hour. And again, you know, fell in love with that first scene. Uh, and then just it, you know, was one of those nights where I fell asleep and then just never went back to it. Uh, but this time around, you know, I mean, the other times around, I think I'll probably watch on a laptop or maybe even like DVR'd off of a TCM on a smaller screen, maybe the first time. So this was the first time I kind of watched it on a, a, a larger size flash screen with the surround sound. And there was a, a little more of an experience to that. So we'll talk about that. That had to help, uh, especially the surround uh, certainly. sound. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. So uh, this is a movie that's that's kind of has a lot of varied opinions out there. And mm. we'll talk a little bit as that goes. I know this is a movie that some people consider... A, a, a beloved great film and others are, aren't so into so I'm, I'm going to try to keep you know my opinions aside I try to keep the perspective for everyone and so if you're you know if you're a, a listener who loves Patton and you're getting a little bummed out we're going to try to look at this thing from all all ends I'm, I'm not tipping any hands or anything but I, I do think this is a very complicated film to cover not in the sense usually when we say complicated we think it's like race Racial. involved or like something it's stuff just, we just, just don't want to talk about right this is more of like a there's just a lot of moving parts and I, I don't you know I, I while I don't know that it's the most entertaining thing I think that there's a lot to to, to un- unpack with it I was hoping and I am hoping that like one of you is just like I love this movie this is one of my favorites and tells me why because I'm like so torn at a like even at this moment I'm kind of so my disclaimer proves true because I don't think you're gonna hear a ton of that today <laughs> uh, but, but we'll see maybe maybe I'm wrong uh, okay any other general thoughts to do before we uh, get into our old deep dive plunge any of that no no, no good to go no a little general housekeeping we uh, have in our links of the description you can check out our merch store. Grant Z does a great job there. I also like to put uh, our own Chris G's uh, art link in there too. He's launching his art, so we like to support that. But please follow us on all our socials. Instagram is, is where you can meet up with all uh, uh, those uh, shops and all that. And got to say, we're headed to the end of the summer. And, you know, we love our tournaments here. We know we love our drafts and tournaments. And we have our sub-50 tournament coming up. It's going to go. be a good one. There will be uh, much better movies than usual. In this one, well, if you listen to our Armageddon episode, we tipped our hand on that. You keep expanding the uh, requirements. Like in three years, it's just going to be like any non sub one hundred movies. movies. <laughs> yeah, just any anything that's not a best picture letter is available. That's right. But you got to follow us on Twitter if you want to vote on that. So please do that at Best Picture Cast. Okay, guys, I think it's time to take the uh, the plunge to nineteen seventy. Are we ready to go? Let's go. Let's, Let's do, it. do it. Okay, so the year is nineteen seventy, and the U.S. president was Dick Nixon, Richard M. Nixon, kicking off the second year of the presidential term that he would see to completion. Guys, you know what Richard Nixon's favorite movie is? Patton. Any guesses? Steve, you nailed it on the head, my friend. We are talking about Dick Nixon's favorite movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it came out while he was in office and it became his favorite movie. Now, another question here. You're pretty good with these odds, so Uh-oh. we'll see. Richard M. Nixon, do we know what the M stands for? Let's say Madison. Steve? Marsha. Okay. Monroe. Wow, I thought, see, this is one I thought you guys would have because I thought it was a little more familiar. I mean, it's not a common name, but mm-hmm. Simpson fans will know, Milhouse. perhaps, it is Richard Milhouse Nixon, yes. Another president gets his middle name across the 
across the firing squad. The 1970 World Series. Bear with me, gentlemen. Here this? we go. Uh, it saw the 108-win Baltimore Orioles defeat the 102-win Cincinnati Reds five games to one. The Orioles coming off of being upset by the New York Mets, Steve, the year before, 1969. Uh, they uh, lost that World Series in, in an upset. Uh, would take home the franchise's second of three World Series titles, the others being 1966 and 1983. The 66 one we talked about in our A Man for All Seasons episode, where we also talked Jaws. And 83, we haven't gotten to yet, so we will close the book on the Orioles uh, at, at a later date. That will be the BPC hot potato episode that is Terms of Endearment. So uh, we'll, we'll wait on that one. Uh, in this series, Emmett Ashford became the first African-American umpire to, uh, to ump a World Series. It also featured the first World Series games to be played on artificial turf, which is... Uh, pretty wild. We have uh, turf is now it's kind of gone the other way where it's not as common anymore because of all yeah, the retractable keep, roofs. Yeah, they keep tearing it up and putting down the grass. Now. Yeah, I mean, what, I think it's only what uh, we, Tampa, Toronto, I think are the only two with turf these days. That sounds right. Games one and two took place at Cincinnati's first year Riverfront Stadium. This was the last World Series, which all games were played in the afternoon. The whole World Series took place in the afternoon. Steve, that would have been real friendly to your uh, oh, your lifestyle. Get those, day games. Get those my, day games. You would have slept through them all, Karen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the other side of it. Uh, my, uh, my dad, uh, Edwin B., would, would just always go, you know, they used to play these World <laughs> yeah. Series games during the day. Yeah. Now everything's at night. I can't, at least now with the pitch clock, we'll get through the games quicker so maybe he can, he can see some of the ends of them. But as mentioned, uh, both teams were over 100 wins. That would not happen again until 2017. So a big gap there. Oh. 200 win teams going at each other. The 2017 was that. We referenced it the, last the week. Cubs our, finally. Our, uh, no, it was oh. the the Shady World Series where we referenced oh, in last Astros. week's uh, Return to Crash episode. Yeah, the Dodgers and the Astros. That's the Patton tra- wouldn't stand for that Astro no, bullshit. That trash can yeah. banging yellow bellies. No, that wouldn't work. The World Series uh, champion Orioles had won 14 straight games, headed into the series, and went up 3-0. So 17 straight wins with a chance to clinch, and of course they got to lose Game Four and Damn. and, and uh, do that. But uh, they couldn't run the table there to end the season with the 18-game win streak, but won Game Five, nine to three, to clinch the championship. Hall of Fame managers on either side of the field: Earl Weaver for the Orioles, Sparky Anderson for the Reds, and uh, the other Hall of Famers who participated in the series for the Reds. Had to be a bunch, right? Johnny um, Bench. Johnny Bench is one. Tony Perez mm-hmm. is another. And uh, for the Orioles, Jim Palmer, Frank right. Robinson, and Brooks Robinson, who was named the World Series MVP. Good year for the city of Baltimore, as the uh, Colts won the Super Bowl same year, yeah. Super Bowl V. Uh, and in 1971, the following spring, the Baltimore Bullets had a chance to make it three for the city of Baltimore, but got swept in the NBA Finals by the Milwaukee Bucks. As I know you're a big NBA guy, Steve, you too. Uh, I don't know how into early 70s NBA you are. Yeah, but. it's pre-merger. I don't really acknowledge it before they merge with the ABA. Baltimore Bullets. Yeah. yeah. Okay, the number one Billboard song of 1970 is finally we, we get one that we can really get. But truly one of the greatest songs ever written, and it would be Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Water. It's a great one. It's a uh, song. Uh, just, a, just a powerful and unbelievable tune. Uh, and just great song true songwriting too other top tracks from 1970 include raindrops keep falling on my head by bj thomas featured in butch cassidy and the sundance kid 
I would have believed that if you told me that one was in like 1935. <laughs> like really, I'm like that was 1970. Wow. I know. I feel like it might. I feel like it might be a, a remake. remake. It yeah. might be. It might be. Yeah. Uh, American Woman by the Guess Who. Speaking of songs that would be remade. That's right. Uh, Lenny. Yeah, yeah, not in a Best Picture nominee, uh, but Austin Powers. Uh, I think uh, maybe The Spy That Shagged Me, the second one. Ain't No Mountain High Enough by Diana Ross. All right, that's, of course. A, that's, a, that's a big power one. Tune, power, power. Tune. Yep. a lot of power. Yeah, and that's uh, Remember the Titans. Uh, yes. That one, right? yeah, yep. yes, yes. Uh, I'll Be There by Jackson 5. Oh. Plenty of movies there. Jackson 5 sang the national anthem at that World Series, too, by the oh. way. Big, big year for the, for the Jacks 5. And two number ones by the Beatles, the final two number ones of their right, illustrious career. Okay. This, how, these are the last two number ones of their career. How about Let It Be? Let It Be is one of and them, get, but not the last one. Get Back? Nope. No, Get Back's a little older, no? No. Any guesses, Steve? For the, What is the Beatles' last number one hit? The, is it The Long and Winding Road? It is The Long yes. and Winding Road, Oz. Nice redemption <laughs> wow, there. Great song. Too. I never would have got that. Yeah, I, I actually really like Let It Be, too. I know that some people are critical of it, perhaps... RDB being one. No phone on that, by the way. My yeah, hands, well done. I have a beer in He's my hand. He's got a beer in his it. hands, yeah. Before I introduce Patton, what, what beer are you drinking there, Oz? Um, I went to my uh, Blue Point Summer Ale. Yeah, a little golden ale, 4.5%, so it's doable, and away we go. Cool, and uh, Steve, you have a newfound favorite over there. Yeah, I'm not drinking a lot of beers these days. Um, High Noon, I don't love the vodka soda one. This is the tequila and Ooh. grapefruit, and... It's so good, and so is the lime and every flavor that has the tequila in it. Um, yeah, the uh, the tequila brings a different a different mix to it. I don't love the vodka one either, but nah. the tequila one is is kind of refreshing. Um, I have an old favorite here, uh, and it is none other than the Twenty First Amendment Brewing Company, uh, the Hell or High Watermelon. It's a seasonal one. It's always here around the spring. You gotta summertime. get your watermelon. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hoard up on the twelve them now. months of the year. Yep, that's right. So I can I can have break them out in late November yeah. and have Grant uh, scoff at me. <laughs> Although I think I saw on his Instagram story he was drinking one of these. Uh, he was drinking well, one of these. Summer. Or, or I think, I think he'll say. Sort. I think yeah. he'll say it's summer. It's appropriate. It's not appropriate in November. But I say drink whatever you want. There you go. People like Patton fought for your freedom to drink <laughs> watermelon whenever you want. <laughs> Oh, so Patton is the best picture winner. It's directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, produced by Frank McCarthy. Screenplay written by Francis Ford Coppola and Edmund H. North. It's based on uh, the factual material from two biographical sources, uh, Patton, Ordeal and Triumph uh, by Ladadas Farlago, and A Soldier Story by Omar Bradley. But Coppola has gone on to say that he used over five different source materials to comprise his Script. So I think it is. It is more than just those, including autobiographies from basically every character in the movie. Mm-hmm. He got real life accounts of him. Music is by the great Jerry Goldsmith, who uh, you may remember us talking about on our Poltergeist episode. He did the music for that. He also won his Oscar for uh, the Omen. So he's uh, all about that uh, that horror score. But the one that that uh, people our age may know him the most for is the triumphant score from Rudy. Oh, uh, yeah. You can definitely hear a lot of that in this one with the with the brass and all that, all that action. Cinematography is by Fred J. Conecamp, and film editing by Hugh S. Fowler. Art and set direction. Want to call them out for people too because it uh, was uh, up for an Oscar. I believe one. But Yuri McCleary, Gil Paramato, Antonio Mateos, and Pierre Louis Thévenet. Um, yeah, my French is not good as we've as we've <laughs> stated here. It's 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 
And George C. Scott does a little better job than I do. Patton is starring George C. Scott, Carl Malden, Stephen Young, Michael Strong, James Edwards, and Edward Binns. Nominated for 10 Oscars, the winner of seven. Best Picture, Best Director, Franklin Schaffner. Best Lead Actor, George C. Scott. Best Screenplay, Francis Ford Coppola and Edmund North. Art and Set Direction, as mentioned before. Sound, of course. And Film Editing was also nominated for, but did not win. Cinematography, Score and visual effects. So no go on that. It is not on the IMDb 250. Hmm. It was number 89 on the original AFI 100 list. I was uh, in 98. I was pretty shocked to see that. I did not expect that. Uh, It was not included on the updated 10th anniversary list, which I'm a little more familiar with. $12 million budget brought home 61 million worldwide. Patton. Gentlemen, I'll kick it off if, if we can, if you guys are okay with that. Sure. Do it up. I think to this one, you have to kind of talk first about uh, the script and Francis Ford Coppola's involvement in it. He uh, essentially wrote the script in this one in the mid-50s, uh, probably about 15 years before the movie came out. He was in his mid-20s, very young, puts this thing together, gets fired from the picture. This thing was in the works for 20 years. The producer, Frank McCarthy, was a veteran and I think worked for like the Secretary of War office so like he knew a lot of the people involved in this thing and was like his his baby project uh coppola gets fired from the script essentially because of the open scene that was the the reason he was canned is is like we can't start a movie like this this is going to confuse nowhere the audience. to go too there's nowhere to go it, after that. yeah, yeah. it's just like we're this and then and then now we're just launched into this thing what's going on here so they get rid of him and the project goes on about 15 years later he's working on the godfather and he's about to get fired from the godfather but Patton comes out and he wins the Oscar for the script, which they dusted off and basically used because the new script they were working with wasn't any good. So they took his and then Edmund Morth kind of uh, touched up and did some things there with that. And he wins the Oscar for that. And he says that he thinks that saved his job on The Godfather, winning the Patton Oscar. So he might have been he might have been ousted from The Godfather if it weren't for that. And uh, has just gone and say that for the young people in the business or whatever business you're in, the things that they're going to fire you for, the things they'll praise you for later on in it, life. So it's take a chances. thin line, right? Let's just set the table a little bit for this one. Steve, I'll kick it off to you. Opening thoughts about the film, where it took you. You said you really didn't know anything going into this one. No, I was curious to see where they started, you know, his story, like birth till whenever, or, you know, his time at the Military Institute to, you know, after that. And it seemed they started it pretty late in life and then alluded to, you know, his death at the end. Um, yeah, I had no idea, and I didn't even know that opening scene, to be honest. I, I've seen pictures of it when I saw it. I did read somewhere that George C. Scott said that he didn't want to do that scene or do the movie or something like he that. He didn't want yeah. it to be the opening scene yeah. either. Yeah, and they lied to yeah. him and said it was going to be in the middle right. or the end, and then... <laughs> It was in the beginning. It's like it's like you know they have this fifteen year battle over this, and then they film it. And George and Scott's like, I don't want, to, I don't want to, they can't open the movie that way. They're like, yeah. oh, God, George, we've done this a million times. We're, yeah, yeah, you're right. We won't do that. And then they just yeah. start off the movie. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's an unbelievable choice, and it it's separates the, the movie. I think it's the correct choice as as the opening scene, and it's certainly. You can't overrate the scene. I mean, you could talk about it with everybody. Yeah. Sometimes those things get built up so much, and then you watch it, you're like, eh. Everyone was talking about it. It didn't, didn't meet expectations. This one definitely does. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to... I did like do it in my mind. Like, where does this rank as opening scenes as far as what we covered? It's tough to say. Um, but I, I think it's got to be one of the best opening scenes that there is. I... I- 
agree. Um, I was I, a bit distracted briefly um, by his eyebrows <laughs> being so fake. Um, I tend to hyper in on or, or hyper focus on things when I'm watching and we're watching it in this cool, I'm grabbing it right yeah, now. Yeah, the Blu-ray so is on the table. Physical the blue, media, baby. Yeah, the Blu-ray. Damn, he looks good in the cover here. Um, <laughs> uh, we watched it in the Blu-ray, surround sound, everything. It looked crystal friggin' clear. It was awesome. I just don't think it was meant to be viewed in that kind of, I, I'd rather see it at like Huntington Cinema Arts, which is my favorite place to watch movies here on Long Island. Um, I'd rather see it from a distance and not see the fake eyebrows up close and personal. <laughs> it, it distracted me for 10 seconds. And that was it. Um, <laughs> but I still, you know, I don't know if it was meant for, for that high def. It was great how they cut like to his medals and then to his gun. You know, oh, they made, they made great. Yeah. Guns. Right. Yeah, they made love, really great choices yeah. in that, in that scene from front to back. I loved the shot of his wedding ring. You know, it's yeah. such subtle yeah. character development. And he, he, he has, there's a one scene where he's, uh, he's there a, a, a little later on with, uh, with James Edwards and, and he's, he's talking about his wife at home and, and James Edwards' wife at home. Um, I guess his, like, uh, his, uh, the guy working for him. And you go, you, you've, oh yeah, that's right, they showed his wedding ring. It's like one of the first things we see. It's a cool little thing. I mean, it would have killed him to put some women in the movie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's oh. the closest we got. Yeah, so. We don't get any best acting, uh, actress nominees out of this one. Uh, but um, yeah, no, so I, I really liked that. And yeah, just as an opening scene for me, this is a powerhouse and just, it's just so indelible and just, burns into your memory uh and it was really the one thing i remembered about this film i will say that once it got rolling all the one-liners were like oh i remember that one Hell oh yeah. i remember that one yeah and and really a lot of the one-liners are authentic you know a lot of oh, things yeah. he said yeah. you know and, and coppola really tried to map this thing out with real quotes yeah you could tell the screenplay and the direction mm. really respected the the man mm -hmm. um and you're right when you said character development i mean really you could kind of dissect that like five minute scene mm. and you're, you're kind of good. Like that's like, that's, that's all you need almost. Yeah. And man, the other thing too is, is um, while Coppola is working on Godfather and they're getting rolling, he's getting shit from everyone. Everyone's got something to say and this, this and that. And they're trying to start this thing. And you know, the plan is to start with this wedding and it's not really working for him. You know, I mean, he wants it a certain way. People are saying, can't open a movie. They say, da, 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 da. And one of his buddies goes to him and goes, well, like, you know, and all that, like, Pat and all that success there. Like, why don't you do something like that? Yeah. And he's like, mm. and then he writes the uh, I Believe in America scene oh. as, a, as, like, a channeling his, his inner Patton. Oh, interesting. Um, and which, I mean, listen, that makes The Godfather to me. Like, it's The Godfather is obviously one of the best movies of all time. Without that, though, I don't know if it, if it really right. fucking packs that first part. You might be right. Not a good call. Just to add on that speech, it wasn't a direct speech from Patton I was reading. Maybe you guys can tell me different. I think it was a hodgepodge of quotes from Patton over the years. Yes. And they put it together. I yes. think most yes. of that, the most of his monologues were kind yeah. of pieced together mm -hmm. throughout. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was, that was not a, a written speech yet. It was He took a bunch of quotes of the things and he... Coppola wrote that thing, yeah, and he was I'm, like shocked when he saw the movie to, to <laughs> yeah. see like, oh, why wow, they kept that all of that in? Like, why wow, they really Wait, used who? his script? Coppola. Oh, like, they, oh. Kept, they really used his script uh, for the most part. I think the second half is where they started to, to deviate and do some new things. But uh, yeah, so uh, it's kind of cool. it's just kind of cool to think it's like someone writes something in their mid twenties, gets fired for it, sits and collects dust, and then years later, like as the project is used, they just like, <sighs> and they're like, all right, this is decent, you know, and uh, and he. 
you know, Francis Ford Coppola's a yeah, household name in, in the cinema world. Yeah, when I saw the year that this movie was made, I was like, this it doesn't make any sense. Like mm. 1970 to make a movie off of the general in World War II. It's like, what happened? And that yeah. explains it. It's just kind of like yeah. it's a project, passion project. 20 years in the People wanted to make it and it just never got done. Yeah, because it's like... 1970. I for mean, that. it's definitely better that way to let to give it a couple years. Like, I mean, if they're right, Steve. I mean, they're taking like make a you know make a, a World War II general movie like a year after he retires. You know, that's yeah, the, it's so, too close. To so it. close. Yeah, I feel like they did a lot of that in the 40s, 50s, and we don't see it so much anymore. And but. The, the dialogue. To, this is completely personal opinion. Uh, you know, people very much disagree with me. I'm sure, but I. I generally don't really love like the dialogue of the movies in the 40s and 50s. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, when we got to 1970, they improved the dialogue, how they approach dialogue in movies. Because if it was like old-timey and fast talk and some of the stuff we've seen in other movies, this might have just been flat. Yeah, you know? yeah. And this is a crucial time period uh, for our, our culture here in America, particularly in pop culture and, and and film, I mean, you're talking about, forget about being in the heat of Vietnam, but you have the end of the Hays Code, we're out of the Hays Code in, in the 60s now, where now you can you can show nudity and you can have sex and you can have uh, a certain more graphic types of violence and, and have bad guys triumph over good guys and, and whatnot. So you start to see in the 70s us move toward that area there. And, and Patton is, it's... Man, you know, it's a it's a oddly placed war movie because it's right before we start getting into all the Vietnam War movies, but it's also kind of like During the end Vietnam of the war. run. Yeah, I mean, well, when's the, what's the first like big apocalypse now? Right, it's probably like the first big the, war. The first big Vietnam, Vietnam war movie. Probably, it's right, probably yeah. that, right, and that's that's going to be if if that's after the Godfather, so that's going to be later on. Yeah, uh, you know, so we're but this is also very late for a World War Two movie. You know, so it's it's placed in a very odd time for war movies, mm-hmm. right? It's like a, yeah, it's d- during an anti-war era. Yeah, and I don't this movie. I don't think this movie is pro-war by any no. mo- means, but it's not like a deliberate anti-war. Which movie Mash either. was, and we'll talk about Mash at the right. end of this thing, which is, is was what what it lost. Oh no, what it what it beat for Best Picture. Mash right. was kind of like one of the first satire war movies where they're kind of poking fun of uh, Outlook. But like this got tagged as a rah-rah pro-war movie. I don't see that at all. I didn't see it as a pro-war movie at all. If anything, they made him kind of look like a pompous buffoon at times. And, mm. uh, I felt like... At times, he actually reminded me a little bit of the guy uh, from Caddyshack, the old man. It's like... <laughs> shmir, shmir, shmir. We're it? waiting! Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know why. I kept kind of like thinking of that guy the days after I watched Pat, and I was like, oh, that's not a good look then, I guess. <laughs> Um, I just thought that it wasn't definitely not pro war, but it didn't make it look great either. Um, kind of made him look like a jerk. One of the things that I think is is the best quality of this film is is that it is not telling the audience how to feel, and the audience can can step away with a different opinion about not just the characters within the film, but about what the characters are doing and what the characters are trying to say. Like you can. You can watch this movie and be like, fuck this guy, Patton. Mm-hmm. You know? Or you could watch this movie and be like, yes, Patton, let's go. You know, like, so it, it, there's, and, and, and anywhere in between. It's not even like polarizing like that. You can look at it, and, and I, you know, I, I 
have a lot of a lot of things I've taken out of this thing. And I think thematically, there's there's definitely some layers and a lot to discuss here. But I think that quality that you can take a lot out of this, most of that lies in in the lap of the performance of George C. Scott. I, yeah, you kind of took the words out of my mouth because where I've kind of landed on this is this all the not all but like the positives we're talking about is really a George C. Scott show essentially. Yeah. Um, I I look I got no, I don't have much love for biopics. I just mm-hmm. don't. They I, I'm like eh, I'll just just show me the documentary. Yeah, you know, like it, instead of a, a, a half fictional, half real um, thing. But he grounded it, I yes. think. Um, but one of the problems I had, and I don't know if this is a, I guess it's a screenplay problem, and like I don't want to like rip on a script written by Francis Ford Coppola, but they didn't give him a, like a half decent adversary. While mm. they may have made him look, and I think it was good that they didn't make him look like this perfect because he was, and he wasn't a perfect individual, and they did show his faults to an extent. They kind of made everybody else look like goofy around. Him. <laughs> Like that, the, the how they portrayed the British general Montgomery was like, like horrific. Agreed. It was horrific. Agreed. And I'll go one further. I mean, the, to me, and I don't want to. I mean, I love you guys or anyone at home to disagree with me. To me, the German scenes are clownish. Oh, yeah. I think they're. I felt like we were in like Doctor Evil's office <laughs> yeah. with like number two, like literally with all the diagrams. They're playing like oh, Dungeons and Dragons dude. over the place and speaking. And he's just like, "When George Patton wins victories, people die." And he does waiting for them all to go flying down the chair and burning in in the basement. The uh, the diagram, um, yeah, that's Im- with, there's a certain zone uh, that, that oh, I have yeah. some because, yeah. discussion to, to discuss. But yeah, that to me, that was... And it was just fucking exposition central, too. Mm-hmm. Like, who is this Patton guy? And there's like, well, I'm a German historian, and, and Patton grew up in 1843, and he did this, and he did that, and he was married to this. So it's like, okay, guys, like we're, 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 just, we're just dumping it right on the front lawn here, huh? And they didn't... Um, like, they kept talking about Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. And I understand why they didn't put him in the movie. Right, because that's an impossible to cast. You're gonna cast mm-hmm. a ex president. You know, that's a, yeah, forget real it. That's close just, to his presidency. That's distracting. So, um, did you have that as a negative? I no, I'm okay with that. But yeah, what I ha- I I liked that. What I, I have it, it didn't have him. Yeah. A little bit of like uh, yeah. air, Michael Jordan yeah. air. You know, we yeah. talk about him but not show him. But I think they got to address that relationship more. I think they're leaning into the audience knowing the history to understand this movie and I don't know if that's good I don't know what do you think do you mm, think it's okay you know, to let the audience know the so, history need, need to know the history I don't know okay so that's a good point there Oz but I, I want to like kind of take my, my take on it to the next step is I think it's you have to make a decision and I haven't brought up Lawrence Arabia yet but I'm gonna because I think that there's a lot totally, of, a lot of totally. connections here between the two and I think a lot of those connections stem from the filmmakers here trying to do a lot of what Lawrence Arabia did the, where Lawrence Arabia nails it is that they said, let's assume our audience knows nothing about the history and let's not try to tell them about it. And I think that this movie is trying to, to do history lessons, but they're, while they're doing it, they are kind of relying on the, the, the audience to have some sort of general knowledge. And, you know, as someone who really isn't good with this stuff, like, I didn't. So I was lost in some areas. Like, yeah, I had to a, have, I had to do research to find out that the Battle of the Bulge was in right. this movie. Like, you know, I'm yeah, sorry. It was tough. It was tough to keep track of everything. 
Yeah, and and you know while we're just while we're in negative mode, let's keep going. The movie's too long. I mean, this movie's oh, too yeah. long. This is this is textbook. This movie is too long. Yeah, I mean, it's too it's yeah. too long. And then at the same time, like what we're talking about, they have they don't develop any kind of history or relationship with Eisenhower, and they make the contemporary British general look like like a one-dimensional goofball, and it's still three hours. Mm. You know, it's odd. Steve, uh, general negatives. We're we're we've got our boxing gloves on here. Yeah, no, I had written down the same thing about the any scene with the German s- soldiers was just so comical to me, um, and I it, 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 I can't remember. God, I, I, it reminds me of something from Austin Powers, but I had a better example. It'll come to me shortly, but just um, like I said before, it seemed to be the George C. Scott show. I really did like uh, who is his his right hand man there, um, Bradley. Bradley, uh, by, uh, played by um, Carl Malden. Mal- Malden. Yeah. I thought he was excellent, um, but they needed a better adversary, and I had that in my notes too. Um, needed to have pit him against somebody else a little more formidable, I guess. I am a, I Steve. I agree with the Bradley. I think that was the only person in the movie that even character wise and performance wise that even kind of got in the same vicinity mm-hmm. of George C. Scott um, as Patton. Yeah, there, there were two. I, I think this is, you know, as you said it, it's, it's George C. Scott's show. And if you watch how the credits roll, it's, it's George C. Scott, Pat, and then, and then Carl Malden, and then like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of how they rolled it. Yeah. Wow, man, I, I just, I think they were trying to do a lot of what Lawrence Arabia did and they just didn't have the, like if, if Lawrence of Arabia is the 98 Bulls, you know, with Jordan yeah. in the middle doing the thing and all the people around him. This is like the 2019 Rockets with Rich Harden just chucking up threes, putting up 60 yeah, points, yeah, yeah, and like yeah. D'Antoni like sweating over his clipboard and a bunch of people running around. Like, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, hey, he's putting up these putting up record numbers throughout the whole year, but what's going to happen when the playoffs right, come around? I don't right, know. Right. Uh, and I do want to shout out two of the actors that I did appreciate in this that had a little bit lesser roles from one of my favorite movies, 12 Angry Men. He was juror number six who uh, plays kind of like the, the blue-collar mm-hmm. uh, juror in that one, Edward Bins. And he's kind of the guy, he's most prominently displayed in the second half, where he's kind of letting him know, he's like, listen, George, we're trying to decide whether we even want to use you as a decoy now. You know, like, yeah. so just just chill and, and, and play along. And uh, also, I, uh, James Edwards, who's, who's the, uh, the black actor who plays... Um, I guess like he's kind of working for him. Great actor. He's in. If you've seen uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Killing, he's in that. He's a, a great role in that. And he, he did a ton to pioneer for the black actor not playing the stereotypical goofy, goofy black guy in the movie. And and uh, even before Sidney Poitier did did his thing. You know, it's it's a little unfortunate in this one. He's like kind of a little subservient to what's going on, but. Uh, by by all accounts, Patton really respected him greatly, and he was like a, a yeah, close he, friends with him. His last name was George. Which was a little confusing, mm-hmm. right? I think we're talking yeah, yeah. about the same person, but that's actually he's in my scene of the movie, and I, oh. I, ju- I I stayed away from the opening scene. I think we probably would just say like the opening scene, and I yeah. think that's a good good enough answer. Yeah, that's like, the iconic. Yeah, and part I think that's a good enough answer. But there is the, the like next kind of level of a similar like monologue. He is talking to uh, it's like Lieutenant George, Sergeant George is the guy's name. Um, after. Patton gets kind of disciplined for knocking the Russians. They're in like a museum looking place. I couldn't figure out exactly where it was, if it was like a school or a museum. But he's basically, he's talking to, to the sergeant, but he's really talking to himself where 
he like really Patton really thinks he was touched by God, and he really thinks mm. that he has a, a destiny to mm. to run and win. Like it is his, and he's so depressed when they took that away from him, and he just couldn't come to grips. Um, and again, it's like kind of the, the George C. Scott jaw. It's like watching. I was like, oh, I yeah. believe that he believes. Yeah, that he should be doing this. Yeah, man. And that just goes back to you. You brought up biopics before. Uh, I mean, this is this is so much more than a biopic role. I mean, and I, as I'm watching this thing, like about toward the end of it, I'm like, I don't even care if, if Patton was a real person or not. I care more yeah. about this performance than I care about the real character. Like he just he he owns it in such a magnificent way that it's basically in my eyes like George Patton is George C. Scott now. Like that's he's just taken over and, and owned this thing. And it's it's God, this could have been so one note and this could have been so over the top. There's one little line here where I, I, I was reviewing it again today and just man, I just saw the line, I'm like, wow. Now that's a line that every actor in the world would fuck up. And this guy just nailed. And it's when uh, when he's basically reviewing the hospital at the time when he tells the doctor he's got to wear a helmet with holes in it, you know, that, that kind of scene. But he, uh, before that, he goes in and he goes, I see there's two people who have self-inflicted wounds here. They, they got to get out of here. Yeah. The doctor's like, uh, doctor's like, hey, I mean, one of them's infected and he's in trouble. And he just goes, I don't care what you do with them. You just got to get him out of here. And, and it's like, that's one of those, I don't care what you do with him. Get him out of here. Like, that's yeah. how most people would deliver that. And he delivers it in such a, with such a cadence that it's like, it's so, um, it's, it's a mixture confident. between, yeah, confident, charming, and sinister. And it's just so, and it just like, it's, it's like a snake biting you in the ankle, just being like, oh shit, this guy is not fucking around. It's way scarier than yelling. Yeah, uh, it's way more, it's way yeah, scarier than someone yelling. Way scarier at than yelling, yeah. Those hot, there were two hospital scenes, really. Uh, that, that one, because it's no self inflicted wounds and no fatigue. Both of kick them out. Kick, mm-hmm. you know, kick all the people out. And then when he goes, and hits the guy, yep. you know, for his, you know, shell, sh- you know, PTSD now. We know it's PTSD. Um, but he, like, prays next to the person that's all bandaged up physically, and he just slaps the shit out of the guy who's all messed up mentally. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, that, those, those two scenes were wild. Yeah, and, and, and that had that definitely happened. Yeah, like, he definitely yeah. slapped the shit. And he's, like, that's not good. Like, no. that's not good. It's and Bobby, now, it's Bobby but, Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah no one chairs the Bobby Knight. Oh, yeah. right. That's not good either. No, <laughs> you can't terrible. choke your players. You can't do that. No, there were real life conflicting accounts as to whether he smacked the helmet off of the guy or if he smacked the guy. So, and to me, you're splitting hairs. Like, I'm pretty sure can't the be, intent was the yeah, same and it probably right. hurt. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Although the intent was his defense, I there. Yeah. <laughs> please, please remember me for my motives, not my actions. I did find myself <laughs> laughing too much, though. In this film, mm. like a lot of it was funny. Like I thought he was funny, and I know it's not a comedy, but I laughed out loud like multiple times, like the yellow belly stuff. And I think some of that is just the weakness of the people around him, actor-wise. Yeah. That's yeah. what I can come up yeah. with. Yeah, I laughed a lot though, like more than I thought. Mm-hmm. I would chuckle, I guess. Yeah, well, there's an element of uh, there's an element of like Gran Torino in it, you know, where it's yeah. like, yeah, get off my lawn. The cranky you know? old guy. It's it's like, pretty, yeah, this could I, be I, funny. I, I can imagine Gran Torino as like a spiritual sequel of Patton. You know, this is <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> he's, he's out of the war. If he if he lived beyond what he did, he's he's good. He's, he his kids hate him. You know, yeah. his, his he's alone. Piss him off. Yeah, he's alone. And all he's got is the car that he keeps polishing, and, and his he, dog, yeah. and his dog uh, Willie, right? Right. So and and then uh, and then goes on from there. So fired from the military, no job, <laughs> no family, no war to fight in. Yeah. Right, living in an area he wish he was living somewhere else, maybe. But there is elements of comedy too. But one of the other things that I, I looked at too is is like how poignant a lot of this is today and we talk about i mean listen a, a lot of people's opinions on i mean steve you're you're a coach you coach basketball I, I coach baseball you can't handle coaching in 2020 like you could in 2010 like you could in 2000 like you could in 1990 like you could in 1980 i mean i started coaching in the in the early 2000s and i can't tell you how much it's changed did, did that go through your head at all with this steve about the, the mixture between um because i think there's a lot in this movie to, to talk about competitiveness and and what it takes to to get that drive in how society might look at that did any of that movie did any of that come out of you with with Patton? with how he acted and his personality it would it go over well today i think you i think you need people or generals or higher-ups that act like Patton, but maybe not to that extreme like putting your hands on somebody or some people respond well. I mean, I respond better to like someone directing and giving me orders and in my face almost. I've had coaches that have acted that way and have gotten more out of me than the coach that was like, oh, yeah, how you doing today? You feeling okay? Like today you really need to approach coaching um, in like a, a manner where it's like, are, is everyone okay and positive? Whereas back when we were growing up, it was like, what are the negatives? And you need to fix that and fix it right now or you're done. Mm. And I responded better to that, and I actually appreciate someone like Patton that demands the, the most out of everyone, but you got to walk that fine line and not abuse people either. Uh, and that's one of the strengths of the movie, too, is that they cover that end of the people that supported him. You know, the letters, the positive letters yeah. coming in. Well, he's got the political cartoon of him booting the guy on the ass with, the, with the, a swastika on his boot, and he's freaking out, and I, who wouldn't be freaking out? You right. know, that's, you know, but he said, their fan mail's coming in, and you have the... You have his colleague who goes, we, we're with you. Wherever you're going, we're going. So there is that balance of, you know, that, that personality that, that strives uh, one way, my way or the highway, here we go, join, or, uh, or the, the, the people that are just not interested in, in that kind of treatment. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That came across well. I don't, I think that was just the performance, though. That's what I've come to. That mm. it really was not, like, well... You gotta say this about Francis Ford Coppola. Not like super well written or super well directed. It's like a average on all those parts, and then the stuff that comes through well is just George C. Scott just being an A plus. Yeah, well, this is kind of unique in the sense that Coppola had nothing to do with the making of the movie. He yeah. was not around. He was okay. not consulted. He okay. was literally so when when they started filming, Coppola's off in another world. This is he saw the movie like the rest of us saw the movie. He just wrote the script, and he wrote the script over ten years before it came out. Right. Uh, what if he even remembered it? It's like, yeah, I don't, did, did yeah. I do that? <laughs> right. I, right. I'll say this. I, I mean, overall, I thought the movie, this could be a hot take, I don't know, lacked any passion, and I felt it to be kind of stiff. Mm. Um, and actually, I didn't like the movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there we go. If I'm being honest, I, I, I was forcing myself to stay awake at the end of it, and George C. Scott was awesome, but it was like, even like the war scenes to me in the battles, I didn't know what was going on in, in, in the battles. 
and I just felt like it lacked any sort of passion. It was stiff, and it was a um, basically an act for George C. Scott to crush. And, mm. I don't know. I a Mike D'Antoni offense. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of basketball, right? I'm like surprised. Yeah, I, I, I'm basketball. trying to spread it out a little bit here. Uh, I went down this weird path. Like, just when you say you didn't like the movie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, no, no, I, I didn't I, love. I, right, I hear. Hey, no, don't, I, don't I, back I, totally down. You don't back down. Yeah. Go after Dude, it. Dude, I went down this this weird path. This is probably I might. This might be the last time I get to be on one of these with what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna always keep yourself around by being able to do any availability, random, baby. <laughs> random 30s movie ever, and you're available. That's right. Wait, like I was midway through the movie without really even having a chance to think about it, and I was like, all right. This has this whole thing has to change, and I went down this weird like, I'm gonna recast the director, and we're gonna make a totally different movie. I texted Joey. I was like, Hey, did a director ever get recast? I'm not doing it. So, yeah. but did a director ever get recast? It's like let's make this a like a let's put like Oliver Stone on this thing and make this thing bizarre and go. conspiracy written. And let's go not like I hate. Cons- I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but let's like make this thing nuts. Let's get Boz involved here. Make it like Elvis and let's go fucking. Crazy. <laughs> well, you lost Joey there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's put Boz on Patton and let's see how wild this. Thing can get so get I was, Tom, I was, Tom Hanks in a fat suit. <laughs> Let's have Tom Hanks be Pat. Let's just go crazy. Uh, so I did have that feeling, um, definitely through the movie. I was like, well, this this needs to go in a completely different direction. But sitting with it a little bit, I, I think it's a little deeper um, than I gave it gave it credit to. A little more well rounded than I gave it credit to. Ultimately, uh, so I'm going to bounce off of something that you said, Steve, and I do think that there is. There is a, a pretty glaring issue to me watching this in, in today's lens. And Oz, you brought it up a little too. I think there's a bit of a directing issue here. Yeah, in I don't this like thing. it. And Steve, you brought up the battle scenes. And yeah, the battle scenes are confusing. And the battle scenes do not advance the story. They're, they're just battle scenes. And I have, to, I have to call attention to and emphasize that at the time, what they were doing visually was very impressive and was very unique. I mean, that is all practical effects. It is all in the moment stuff, very expensive, very complicated. Coppola, after seeing the movie, went back and said that like a lot of what he was doing there was like revolutionary stuff. The problem is, is that like, that's impressive in 1970. We've just seen that done better now. And I can forgive it for some of the visual simplicities if we're going to call that because I'm not I don't think it was simple but you know you do have like the six guy what grenade goes off six guys fall in in, in, like they're synchronized swimmers falling on their back with their arms in the air like tanks just sitting there just to be blown up you know Uh, but I do think that in war movies the violence has to advance the plot and Steve you nailed it when you said it was kind of confusing and didn't know what was going on it was almost like Let's stop to admire some explosions. Could it be a problem with editing? Um, That's always, I always have tr- trouble with this. I, 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 I think that's a good question, but I do think in this instance, this would be on the director. It felt directed. It, it, this, yeah, it felt like the director's like, we need to do all this now. And what can an ed- editor do with that? Because it's not, when the violence is going on, you don't, no one is, there's a couple people ducking for cover, but there's no, you're not following, like, no movie has ever done it better than Saving Private Ryan. Right. While you're in it with that, you're in it. The bombs are going off around you. The bombs weren't going off around me in this. I felt like I was in a theater seat watching the bombs go off. And, and there was, there's... I get that. Yeah. I think a movie succeeds 
a movie like this succeeds when the person can't get away. And that's what Platoon does. Oz, me and you are the big Platoon guys I have a here, Platoon so, guy. And I always love when the anti-Platoon guys are not here because yeah. we, really, we can stand on our pedestals. <laughs> in Platoon, you feel the bugs biting you. You yes. feel like you're in the trench. You, you, you get the claustrophobia of the movie, if you're watching it correctly. This felt like I was kind of watching that Disney World Indiana Jones thing, <laughs> stunt show, yeah. you know, like where things are blowing up. So, uh, Steve, I, I think you nailed it with that. Is that, that that's, a, that's a miss for this movie. It felt like monologue into blowing stuff up into monologue into blowing stuff up and like basically this movie if I wanted to make it sound the most negative way possible it's Omar Bradley giving Patton bad news that's this movie (laughs) it's just every you know 45 minutes his friend is giving him bad news about something that's that's like that that could be it. Like if you said to me, "This movie's bad because there's n- nothing's going on and it's only this," I would be like, "Yeah, it's de- decent, decent point." Yeah, I got one more negative coming your way before I. T- I'm going to ultimately take a positive turn on this thing too because yeah. I I do think that I'm the high man on this thing here just from feeling this out because I do think thematically and we'll get into that next that there's a lot of really great stuff here. You guys are both pretty high on Carl Malden. I, as I was watching it, Steve, like you were, you were picturing uh, Caddyshack with, with George C. Scott a little bit. I'm, Carl Malden, just, there was something that was off to me with him, and it was a visual thing. And I, he's an actor I respect. I mean, I love Streetcar Named Desire. I love On the Waterfront, and he crushes it in both those films. I just couldn't. I was scratching my head, and in doing the research, I read it, and I go, boom, that was the issue. The character in real life was on set. is a dec- no, he's oh. a decade younger than than oh. than Patton, and Carl Malden's fifteen years George C. Scott mm. Senior. That he's too old for that role. I, I'm seeing this old guy who kind of passes him in the ranks, and like that should be a younger actor. And you know, no disrespect to Carl uh, Carl Malden as an actor, but they, that needs to be. You need to feel him coming over. You need to feel him climbing over. George C. Scott in yeah. in in rank, and then t- for that impact to, to be hit. I think they completely whiffed on the the relationship between Bradley and Patton and Eisenhower. Agreed. Like the yeah. the, the three of them, because they yeah, even with the with Montgomery, the British guy. You know, oh, like you yeah, said, yeah. I got a whole, I got a whole. Yeah, thing about, yeah. No, that that, that could have been like that. Could give me a strong British actor to fucking piss me off. Yeah. Let's go. Like come, like you had that opportunity there. Yeah. That's miscast. Uh, maybe they ran out of some money here and some some issues there with that. I don't know, but uh, this could have used another star in one of those roles. Without George C. Scott, I think this movie is the total total this dud. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's he, the only though. reason I watched to the end was because of him. Mm-hmm. Other than that, well, well and you end the podcast. Yeah, you have an assignment. <laughs> They can't all be twins. <laughs> now, on the positive end of things here, for, for all you, you patent lovers out there, too. Because I'm very much in between with this film. Like I, I, I see why people consider it great. And I see why people might not, might not like it or more, or more specifically might forget it. Right. Thematically, I think there's some real good stuff in here. We talked about some of the competitiveness and the... And the drive, and when you get almost too competitive for your for your own good, and that I mean that as a, like as a coach that happens to me all the time. There's times where I have to take a step back and be like, all right, listen, <laughs> you care way more about this than the, the other 50 people involved here. Like, chill out a little bit. I, Steve, there's something we were watching this that you said, and you're like, damn, this guy's really really into war, huh? Like it's and that is like that's a fascinating thing in itself. When you when you're a lifer and all you know is is the military, and at this 
period of the world. The military is like it's not like uh, chilling at a camp in in Texas. Like right. you are you are out there. Um, what an odd thing to become obsessed with, and what a what a toxic quality of of humanity that there's an avenue of the world that you could be obsessed with something so psychotic and so evil. I mean, like we're, we're talking about countries just shooting each other and blowing them up, and this guy who is by all accounts a pretty a genius. Yes, yeah. applying all his qualities towards dedicating himself to this life. That's a that's a fascinating conversation. It, fascinating is is I think the correct correct word on that. He was very into like the mano y mano like mm. fight. Um, like he was like, I just want Rom the German Rommel. He was like, yeah. I just want to fight him one on one. I'll go shake his hand. He and says, I'll go the shake war, his let hand. That and then the we war. fight and we we'll, yeah. He 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 just he needed the battle. That's what made him great. That's what made him impossible to work with. Yeah, know, it's kind of the nice, the nice balance. And he never punts. Oh no! It's he's going for oh. them fourth every time. Fourth and thirteen. Fourth and fifteen. Fourth and twenty. He's going for it. Yeah, you know he's got some arrogance. We don't he, dig in because he's so good at what he does. He's arrogant. Uh, what's very cool to me in in this one is when Eisenhower decides that he's he just can't put up with this guy anymore like this guy's like he's he he's opens his mouth he puts his foot in his mouth constantly but the germans respect him so let's use him as a decoy and, and let's put him out here and let the germans think that something's going on out there and that's very cool but the psychological toll that that takes on Patton himself being used as a decoy it's like, well, what do you it. mean i'm the decoy i can't be the decoy like and and that's the egotism of uh of of the character the is it like dude but strategically, this is kind of a good move. Like, just because you're not the A player, like, let's... I think that's the best stretch of the movie. Is the decoy, is he going to be the decoy? Is he not going to be a decoy? Rommel freaking out. Yeah. You know, because they respect him so much. They, like, read his book and everything. They, like, dream about Patton. Yeah. You could see that. And then Eisenhower pulls the plug. And mm. it's just like, Patton can't handle it. Yeah. You know? For me, the best stretch of the movie is the first hour. Like, I'm, I'm in it on this first yeah, hour. Like, I'm totally some... in it. I think post-intermission really loses steam. Like, mm. I don't... Would you agree yeah, that's... Well, I would say, for me, the opening cinematography and that opening scene in the flag and him and everything, if that was the whole movie, I would have been pumped. Mm. And then the movie ends when the flag disappears. <laughs> Six-minute movie. <laughs> I just thought that, like, that started off so strong and I was so pumped... Even George C. Scott's direct quotes of Patton, I thought he crushed them. And I don't know which ones exactly weren't direct quotes, but you could tell which ones you thought were direct quotes from Patton. I thought the other ones were like, just one-sided and tried to make him look boorish and like a brute. Yeah, man, you know, that's so that whole take right there was, that's basically my take the first time I saw this that was what it was it was like I'm so fired up in the beginning of this thing and I just kind of don't remember the rest yeah. of it they were trying to tell a lot it's, it's it's so hard like where do you start where do you end and I think that's the inevitable problem with a biopic um, unless the person only lived for like a couple you know yeah. unless you have a very short time in, of doing anything well I mean I, I hate to bring this up again but let's talk about Lawrence of Arabia yeah I mean you know I, I casually called it the 98 Bulls but it had the score yeah. it had the script it had the actors. It had the vision. It, ha- it, it is almost four hours. This is almost three hours. That's almost four hours. And yeah, I'm sure that's way too long for most people. I'm totally fine with the length of Lawrence Arabia. I'm in it and living oh. it every time I do it. 
Could be a little longer. Yeah, keep it going. Let's go. Uh, yeah. And talk about a movie that knows how to end and knows how to start. I mean, people may disagree with that too because there's a little bit of an ambiguous ending to that. But it basically starts with the ending in Lawrence of Arabia. With his, the movie starts with his death, you know? So I think this movie is a poppy seed in the teeth of Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> I, I say this with a, with a question yeah. mark at the end. Yeah. Easier story to tell in Lawrence of Arabia than in Patton? I, I, I don't think... You think that that's an easier story to tell? I think Patton's a way easier story to tell. I think there's difficulties in trying to tell a story about a f- big figure in World War II because everyone knows a little something about it, which makes it hard to see to show who you're, who who's the viewer of this movie, dude. And how do you please the viewers just of look this at movie? The, just look at the conflicts. Yeah. So so the the. The off-Broadway conflicts of World War One in the Middle East versus Germany, England, and the U.S. in World War Two. I mean, like we're talking, we're talking about like cricket versus the fucking yes. 1927 Yankees. Like it's not even close. The, the, I think that Lawrence Arabia is an impossible story yeah. to tell, and they and they crush it because they don't get too bogged down by the facts in it. I saw a ton of trying to be Lawrence Arabia in this film. Um, it was. I, I don't think, disagree with that. Yeah, I. It, it was this. This guy who's stuck in the middle of war, trying to figure out who he is, trying to figure out where he fits in the place. I did dig him like the mysticism of him looking back and thinking he's reincarnated. Yeah, the I mean, reincarnation. He's a little yeah. bit ham-fisted, but like, I, I, I it's fun. It's ham. Fun. What do you mean, Ed Patton? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. how that, that's how he was. Yeah. So yeah, true. true. You know. I'll say this too. Now I just thought of this. All the war movie. I mean, I love war movies and and learning about them and. This some I've watched recently, like the Deer Hunter, which I had never seen. I watched that recently, and that like mm. was there's so much passion behind that. What do you think about the wedding scene? Um, Too long, right? <laughs> no, I think I I, <laughs> I, I, I liked it. Yeah, but, um, cool. Deer Hunter. I don't. I'm trying to think of others. Platoon, um, Apocalypse Now. Like maybe because I've seen all those, and those were so amazing to me. That when I watched this, I was like, oh, man, that just sucked because of all those others. So maybe if I was alive and watched this in 1970, I would have felt different than I do now after watching all these epic films over the last couple of years. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. hard to quantify. Man, and I'm going to call attention to another Best Picture winner that we talked about, one that we did not talk about nearly as kindly as Clavicade? Arabia. Oh. Uh, not Clavicade. That's an intentional clade, by the way. Around the World in 80 Days, just because of the panorama vision, like you could see their camera kind of was playing with that, seeing this movie on a big screen. And this was a, a roadshow type of film where you'd go and you'd get the program and you'd sit down and they'd play the entrance, the intermission of, the, you know, you go, you take a break, you get, you get a drink, you come back. It, there was a lot of that, like, playing to the audience of 1970. And, you know, I think it holds up way better in this than it did in, in, uh, in Around the World in yeah. 80 Days. But I think it leaned a little too much on that rather than telling the, the timeless tale. And Steve... You brought up some great movies there, you know. And, and what they all have in common? What were they rated those movies? R probably. Yeah. This was PG. Yeah, that's a yeah, little that, bit that of a would time, have been, though. Yeah, that yeah. this would have probably been R. So pro- no, because there was no cursing. They yeah, put they, more violence in it. But now. maybe it could have been yeah. a little bit more violent, have some more cursing, and made it a little bit more raw. I, I think. Know. I think more simply, you brought up some really great movies. I don't know that this is a really great movie. No. I. I, I there's. There are some. Some obstacles here that are just a little short of what. Would you watch it again? I I would. I'm ulti- ultimately my second watch this week. 
confirmed to me that there's something here that to appreciate, and, and I would watch it again. I'd have to choose that viewing very selectively because this, I'm, this is not a movie I would be excited to see again. Yeah. But I do think there's a, I do think there's a super strong movie in this thing, and I think this is going to be the kind of movie that maybe as I look at it closer, I'll grow more appreciation for. We've talked about this before, though. Is it a movie that requires you to rewatch it? Is all well and good, but the the interest in rewatching it needs to be there. And Correct. this movie doesn't have that. It doesn't it doesn't call you back for a second viewing. And if it's a movie that needs that second viewing to appreciate its greatness, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. That is a patent problem. Yep. As we kind of came to the conclusion that it's it's really a director problem. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not in the, in, in George C. Scott's performance. I think as far as biopics go, I think it's as good as it gets. I mean, yeah. he's. He's a legend in this. Um, I saw a little bit of The Godfather in that, uh, you know, like the randomly throughout Godfather 1 and Godfather 2, the characters just like start telling like old war stories. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, the Nazis back in uh, 1432, or like Robert Duvall's like, you know, the Romans, you know, they used to draw a bath. And, like, and people, like, you can see it. like that's all the, so... Yeah, every every step of the way, he was like, <laughs> oh, you know who conquered this play, right. place in 500 BC? I, I love that scene of him like, taking them off road and be like no no no, this is the spot like this is the spot where all these you know the Carthag- Carthaginians came here and they love that I, I totally don't I don't know if he did any of those exactly that way but that's what he would do with his with yeah. his with his crew you know yeah. that's that's how he operated he was very historical he was very big on the legacy and obviously with the reincarnation Kind of bizarre, but you know. Gotta, yeah, definitely bizarre. Well, I think that's like that's a cool part of the character too. And there's a we didn't talk about like his like um, his religious nature and and his southern upbringing and his manners and like well, well he cursed a lot. He still had a lot of uh, southern manners and 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 his his religion and his yeah. uh, his spirituality, total spirituality went beyond his religion. And that type of character is going to be divisive and is going to have viewers go a bunch of different ways with it. And that's what I think is cool about this movie is, is that they're not telling you, like, this is how you're supposed to look at it. They're just saying this is how this man looked at it. And as a viewer, you can take what you want out of him and his positives and his negatives and weigh that in and see, yeah, uh, see where Kind of there. full circle back to what we were talking about in the beginning. That's all fine and good and I think accurate, but there was not much of the other side presented, mm. right? He, he was punished here and punished, quote unquote, here, here and there. But you never really got the negatives of him, I don't think. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, him smacking the guy around and him obsessing over beating out Montgomery when it's costing all these lives. Yeah, you know, true. you would harken back to... Uh, harken back to All Quiet on the Western Front with that, where it's just like these guys up up top playing all these games. It's just so hard to care about Montgomery. Yeah. But it was like, he was obsessed with him, though. So like he he would do this and make all these decisions. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. When you need a stronger cast around him to to create stakes. The stakes were a little unclear in this beyond following this Singular stakes. And, I mean, don't people consider Patton a great man? I think so. I mean, I've heard this. I don't think everyone did, though. Not everyone, but the movie definitely did not make him seem like a great man, in my opinion. Like, it made him seem like a buffoon. I think he's considered a great general and not necessarily a great man. So, a great general. All right. But but I'll go back to my point about that's what I think is strong about the movie is, is that that was your take in watching it. 
but someone else's take and watching it is much different. Like there yeah. were some people who were like, rah, rah, let's go. And there were other people like, this guy is the problem with society because he's so pro-war and we're following him. And like, so the reactions to how the character was portrayed were kaleidoscopic. You know, there were yeah. a lot of different visions in there. And I think that's a strength of the film is it, it's not telling you this is how this man was and this is what you should think of him. I think a lot of people probably looked at this thinking he was a buffoon. There's probably people thinking he was like a, a total kook, you know, with his, all his mysticism yeah. and, and this and that. I just, like, I don't know. The more I'm talking about it, the more low on the movie I am. Like, that happens. Like, scene of the movie? All right, yes. The American flag scene, the opening scene. Other than that, there's no scenes yet. The, the battles, like, maybe the scene when he tells the guy to put his helmet on. I kind of like that scene for <laughs> whatever reason. But other than that, I'm just finding it. The more I'm talking about it, I'm like, there's no kick-ass scenes. There's no, like, like he had some great one-liners, but the monologue was the peak. And then there was one-liners and, you know, some good stuff there. And I'd like to hear about some of the themes you thought, you know, that you think that are important because I'm not seeing many. I love these conversations where we have the, the, different, the different takes on it. And of we course. Can, we can tug a war on it makes it, a it better. Bit. Absolutely. And I wish that there was... A, like a fourth person here who was like a Patton yeah. person. Was, like was, this is in my top ten of all time. Was Brendan gonna be that? Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll have <laughs> to know on, our, on on return to Patton in, in six years. Uh, to me, the the themes were really a lot in in competition and internal competitiveness and finding your place in a world that's changing. And you know, there's that moment where he looks up and it was one of my quotes that I had written down is I'm so alone. Because he's so obsessed with war, he's so obsessed with this, and he's he takes over this he takes over this American army where uh, they're all kind of they could take it or leave it. They've never been in the trenches, they didn't go through World War One really, and he's trying to whip them into shape. And then all of a sudden, he's like having political cartoons making fun of him back home, and the press is misquoting him. And he's saying like off the record, he tells the guy this, and then the next day, it's in the headlines of the newspaper. I think it's finding your place in a changing world. And learning how to find your place in a changing world, he was unable to. And it's legacy when you think that you have a destiny. Yeah. And he's so concerned about his legacy. Mm. And he, he did not, I don't think he felt he fulfilled his reincarnated destiny yeah. of being the oh, conqueror of the world. out over that political cartoon. Yeah. That was such a great part of that performance. Like he was freaking out. He's like, this is like, he couldn't. Nip. He couldn't come. He couldn't control his you know, actions. You know where I could see that scene in Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Half, <laughs> <laughs> which might be a better movie. Um, oh boy! Recommend. Yeah, because he he kept reminding me like I don't know, man. I'm, I'm hating on George C. Scott too a little bit too. It just seems like slapstick to me. I, I, I don't know. Like it's like he, he just reminded me of like something out of like a Naked Gun movie with Leslie Nielsen screaming or something. I don't. I don't know. Mm. I'm sorry. I apologize to all the uh, fans out there. The Pat Knights. <laughs> all the, the Pat Knights out there. I, I, I'll watch a movie, a, a real documentary on, on, on Patton and probably love it and, and the books and thumb through things, but I just didn't take away much from this one. I get that. I, I am a little surprised with the negativity toward the performance. I, yeah. I, to me, the performance is a 10 out of 10 for me. Yeah. Right? I, I, he didn't miss one stroke for me. I, I think he's... I don't he, think he it was found nuance in the right areas, and he he dialed it up where he had to. I don't think it was. I think his performance was great. I think is what he was given, and I guess that's the screenplay for me too. Then yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, it's definitely dressed up in a lot of one-liners. Yeah, yeah I didn't love yeah, the screen. I, mean, I didn't love the yeah. screenplay. You know, it's it's. I mean, the screenplay's written around direct quotes. Yeah, that's that's an interesting it's like way to station write it. to station. Yeah, you know, like station to station is the way to put it. Okay, so I think we've covered a good portion of this. I think it's time we uh, we head into the nitpick zone. Let's get there. Right here we are, the nitpick zone. Uh, would anyone like Oz? Do you have something uh, to kick us off with? Yeah, um, early on, where they're talking about how uh, Montgomery's messing up the air supremacy, they're sitting in like a little office, and then coincidentally, they get bombed right when they're talking about air supre- supremacy. I'm like, uh, that's a little nothing's really destroyed, and then he walks out, and this is such like a, a <laughs> war movie trope. Uh, He's Patton's frustrated and he walks outside and he like takes out his gun and starts shooting at the planes and I just hate that. Well, whole... that's a, that's a war movie trope because it comes from that. That's like an iconic moment. That guy's got no helmet on. Like he's just like there's no shrapnel anywhere. But, like it just got bombed. Stay inside, dude. But the general. It is the nitpick zone. But first of all, that's a real life account. He did that. And oh, is that true? Did yes, he do that? And oh, it's calling. We didn't talk about the ending. It's yeah. calling irony to the ending where he he essentially he dies on a fender bender. So like he go he'll shoot the single bullet at the plane and and it'll it'll shoot at him and miss. But then he dies in the fender bender. Steve, I'll, I'll ask you now too. What did you think of the ending? Because you knew how he died coming in, and you, I think you were expecting to yeah. see how he died in it. Yeah, I kind of like that it alluded to his death instead instead of just showing a Very scene subtle. where he crashed into whatever they crashed into. And I think he was in a limo and. His head hit the glass or something like that. So I mean, they're gonna show that and then end the movie. I thought it was like a subtle, nice little. Yeah, the ending was nice. I thought. Um, Oz, what about you? Oh, uh, I I don't know if they should have. Ad- I don't know. There's always like rumors of the conspiracy around his death too, and I don't know oh. if they should have addressed that or not. And yeah, it is true. kind. Of, I I'm not. I'm like pretty anti conspiracy theory well, guy. It makes well, me gets me very upset. If you wanted Oliver Stone to take over, you were gonna get. I that. know. So I know. I know. That, yeah. But but that might be perfect for this because this one I'm like hmm. He was pissing everybody off. He wanted to start a war with like the whole Eastern world, mm-hmm. and then he dies in a car accident where like nobody else is hurt. I'm like hmm. Kind of, kind of, kind of odd. But I get it wouldn't have fit the movie to it yeah. to address any of, any of that. So probably with the structure of how this movie was, the ending was fine. I loved the subtlety of it. I I loved that they you know they show him in these turmoil scenes where he's like, I'm gonna go yell at them across the river and they're gonna stop it. You know, and and then he just almost gets run over by an ox cart. That to me is great, and it ages really really well because you watch this it in does. 2023, you go. How did he die? And you fire up Wikipedia yeah, and go, car oh, accident. wow, oh, I get it. It must have been complicated in 1982, you know? Like, it's like, you'd have to whip out, oh, like, yeah, a, go to the, library. the encyclopedia, yeah. or like, oh, I guess well, i got to freshen up on the Dewey Decimal System and figure out. it was, like, well-known. Maybe it was well-known. <laughs> yeah, let me go out and, and, and pull a, 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 a bind book out of here. And What's the Dewey Decimal System again? How do we do I don't this? know. Can anyone yeah. explain that? So, uh, it, it, it's... it's it found its way to the later years. You could just fire up how he died, yeah. and how how close he died in proximity in this to to the time this movie shot too. So, 
Uh, not, I mean, not uh, in real time, but like when the movie's supposed to be taking place. He really doesn't live much longer. No, than No, it's a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, do you have a nitpick? No, I guess it would be a lot of the scenes with dialogue where like it looked like they were like mannequins, like the other actors. Oh, the the extras in this yeah. are, are piss poor. I mean, it was a ton of... <laughs> so many. Oh, uh, It was a ton of like they grabbed a bunch of people off the streets of LA and <laughs> threw, them, threw them out there. And they're like, all right, when we... When we when the bell goes off, everybody just leap backwards, you know. Like, yeah, no, I, I thought the extras were notably bad. It's like act I, normal, I and then everyone's just staring at the camera. Yeah, I thought they were yeah. mannequins or something. I don't know. Yeah, was, outside of yeah. the uh, the scene in Morocco, which is a wonderful scene uh, in the very beginning. The beginning, yeah, yeah. That that was that felt authentic. That was shot really well. I love the bells and whistles of that whole thing. And, and um, you know, he has that line of, uh, it's a mixture between the Bible and Hollywood. I had such high hopes for the, the, the scenery and the, the extras after that first scene. I was like, oh, this is going to be this is gonna be pretty good. And then it kind of just went downhill. I, I, hate, I hate to use a Joey R line here. Or I love to use a Joey yeah, R line. Well, I'm going to use a Joey yeah. R line. Just so get me, it right or you get it exactly right or you're the, in trouble. The movie tends to make some promises that it can't keep. It, yeah. it, it does tend to do that. It shows some things early on that it can't really keep up with as the movie goes that's on. That's a good point. Joey says that? Uh, that's a big yeah, Joey yeah. one. Yeah, he likes to say that. I like that. Steve, I want to ask you this, too, because there were a lot of camera tricks and a lot of different... They're using some Dutch angles. They're using some... They're using every everything. The Ferris the wheel uh, one? Yeah, you kind of called out a little bit that you're like, what's this camera guy? He's, he's, it was a little distracting for you. you it was distracting and a little try hard, I, I thought, mm. in certain scenes. Like, you, I don't know. It just seemed, some of them seemed a little like you're just trying a little too hard to get a cool angle or try something different. Where, I don't know. Also, I thought they made director, you know, we spoke about him a bunch already. Like, I would have liked, uh, they make Tom Cruise look big. Why'd they make George. Uh, uh, George C. Scott looked kind of small to me. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Was Patton a, a, a tall guy? Ooh. I don't know. It's I'm a good sure. question. Yeah. I don't. Look it up. Yeah, let's go. Let's get that. I uh, don't think it was notable either way. Fang, get on that. Don't worry, listener at home. Keep your hands on the wheel. We're Wikipedia it for you. Either way, you usually make the dominant person like. Well, he's big. Big. So six two. Yeah. Didn't look six go. two to me. Yeah. How tall is George C. Scott? Keep it going. How tall is it? Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. 6-1. One. 6-1. One. Wow. So it. this movie this movie made a 6-1 guy portraying a 6-1 guy look shorter to Steve B. Yeah, Steve, I didn't have that experience. I, I thought he looked prominent enough. How tall is Lizzie Nielsen? Oh. I think he's like 7 foot 5. I feel like right? he's a tall guy, he's a big too. Boy. He's humongous. He's pretty buff. How, how tall did he look next to The Undertaker? <laughs> uh, he, he held his own. Yeah. Him and George Kennedy. It's got to be like 6-1. Six, 6-1. Six, one. Six, one. Yeah. There we go. Look at this. It's uh, something to yeah, this. Yeah, I did not know Leslie Nielsen was 6-1. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a guy. Bigger a guy. Uh, bigger than you think? Wow, bigger. I think yeah. he's a small guy. He's a big dude. Nitpicks. Uh, so some of those camera <laughs> tricks. They had that, that one camera trick where the guy's breathing the fog into the mirror. You oh, remember that yeah, when we drawing yeah. the map on the mirror? That in the was bathroom. okay. Yeah, yeah I actually like the camera yeah. tricks. I thought it was different. I thought it was like, it is absolutely try hard, Steve. You nailed that. Like, I mean, I kind of like that though. Like, I, I look into that, but I'm, I'm sure in the rankings, someone's going to call that Definitely. out. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But so the guy blows the fog into the he's mapping it out. I'm no germaphobe. I'm not. I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty, I, I play it straight down the line. I'm not wiping someone else's fog nah. off the mirror. Nah. That's <laughs> gross. <laughs> and then leaving the bathroom without washing your hands. Nah. Come on, dude. Like, what, like, you're blowing on a mirror here. You either wipe that off or it stays. All right, I'm yeah. not. I'm not wheezing my hand to wipe. I guess when stuff. you're in the middle of a war, like who cares at that point? I get. I get that Patton's a hardo. I get yeah. that he's always ready to go. 
sleeping in suspenders. <laughs> oh, that was I mean, hysterical. I mean, and then, and what is with the little doilies over him too? Like, like the like the Sleeping Beauty doilies over his head. Like, what? Like, come on. All right, he's a hard ass. We get it. And That's then, like, yeah. I'm sure. Okay, was actual like, documentation of him sleeping in his suspenders. Da, 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 he gets da. up. He's ready to roll. He's like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> Sharp dressed man, Steve. Yeah. Sleep is for the weak. Fatigue is for the weak. As we often say uh, off mic, Steve, is there are two kinds of guys out there. Oh yeah. There oh, are yeah. scarf guys, and there, and there are, are non-scarf non guys. <laughs> General Patton is a scarf guy, a scarf as we guy. say. Yes. Uh, I'm not a scarf guy. I, I myself am not a scarf guy. I no. think I've seen you wearing a scarf somewhere. No, no? Not, don't no. own a scarf. I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever worn one in my life. I try. Yeah. So yeah. we have three non-scarf guys. Where do you think you saw me with a scarf? Years <laughs> ago, somewhere. Yeah. High Damn. school. Damn. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I believe Brendan B., who would have been here today, I believe he's a scarf he's guy. He's the missing piece. Yeah. Right? He yeah. is, definite I, scarf guy. Definite scarf guy, yes. yes. Uh, who are the other scarf guys? Chris would the, be a Chris G. Chris G. Scar Chris Jesus scarf guy. guy. Yeah. Chris G. is a scarf guy. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with no, scarf nothing, guys. No, listen, it's, it's, it's like the Dr. Seuss. You got a dot on your belly or you don't have a dot on your belly. So there's nothing wrong with it. We don't need to fight over this. Uh, uh, Joey, I would say, is I'd not say a scarf no. guy. Yeah, I'd Grant's, say no. I could see Grant yeah, flipping, yeah. flipping a scarf over his shoulder. I, could, a, I, I would say yes. <laughs> Perhaps with the... Going to see the Nutcracker yeah, in December on Broadway. With the pipe, you yeah. know, uh, flipping over there. Yeah, I could, uh, I see, could that. see that. Yeah, Artie is not a scarf guy. I, I don't know that I, Artie owns a pair of dress pants. Yeah. <laughs> no, Artie's, Artie's just a sheet of hair, so... <laughs> Artie yeah. doesn't own anything with buttons. He's got the beard, yeah. He's got the beard going... <laughs> It connects to the chest hair, and I have the same so, thing. So, hey, write us in. Let us know. Are you a scarf guy? You're not a scarf guy. We, we appreciate everyone here. Next time, we'll have more scarf guy representation here so they can bury us down at our... <laughs> Any other nitpicks? Yeah, I want to do the, 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 the German map with the, with the action figures. Oh, yeah. yes. I love it. There Dungeons just, and Dragons. There is, like, so many... It wasn't so much that the figures on the map, there felt like there was, like, one human per figure. You know, like there were like forty guys like doing the figures, like for the for the Germans. I was like, this, that seems to be a bad waste of resources to have that many people controlling the uh, the action figures. But I will say, World War Three, that's the job I want. I'll be the guy that puts the figures around the map. Let's play the life size I'll, risk. I'll dig out my old WWF action figures. I'll put them in the appropriate places. You know, Yokozuna goes to Japan. Ooh. Akeem the Dream goes to Morocco. Good action figures. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. We'll do Bret Hart in Canada. You know, we'll do all that stuff. I could do that. That would yeah. be my job. Yeah. yeah. Undertaker's got to be. Uh, I guess yeah. it's like Texas, probably. Yeah. Right? Okay. He's, he's, yeah. he's patrolling Texas. Yeah. 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 With Austin. Yeah. yeah. Right. We have the Brit, you know, the British Bulldog can take, you know, the United Kingdom. We're good. <laughs> I got this. We're good. <laughs> Hot take the worst wrestler in the history on the microphone. Is the British Bulldog? Yeah. He's, there's no one worse than him. Oh, it's it's just, Google anything that he's ever done. Is the he worst needed some like patent monologue lessons? Brutal. brutal. Okay, neither here nor there. Anyway, uh, go well, move on. One last little nitpick I'll throw out there on, on my end. It's tough with a war type of movie outside of like just nitpicking how they made the movie. This is kind of like a life nitpick. Anyone who ever says this and Patton says this in this movie. I'm a good soldier who knows how to take an order. You give me this, and I was, anyone who ever says that is not. They're, they're the, they are the type of person who is going to directly <laughs> go against yeah. the order. Like, if you out loud say, oh, I'm, I know how to be a good soldier. You give me the order, and I'll take it. No, a good soldier just does it. Yeah. They don't proclaim that in an in a, in instance where you're asking them to do something they don't want to do. And then he didn't listen once. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and the movie showed it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's not nitpicking the movie, but that is nitpicking people who say right. that, and Patton is a perfect example of that type of person. 
we head now to the, the Twitter questions. Yes, we didn't get a ton, but we did have some, some Pat Knights out there. Or some anti-Patites okay. out there asking questions for Patton. I like to hear it. Uh, we will start with um, someone who I know, I, I think I know, appreciates it. And he is Tom Duncan from the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, the G-Moat podcast. Been on there talking Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Lost in Translation. You go check out those episodes. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Good guys out there. I don't know there. what that yeah, is. It's, uh, uh, Paul Newman, Elizabeth Taylor. Oh. A wonderful oh. little, little drama. Thomas J. Duncan. He's a Brewers fan. We won't hold that against him. Mm. That's fine. They've that's had a hard enough run. Harmless. Yeah. Yeah, harmless. Harmless. Harmless, yes. Where does the opening monologue rank in best picture monologues? And uh, is this the best biopic best pick winner? So the best the best biopic to win best picture. And uh, where does that where does that opening rank? So in Oz in the movies that you've covered, at this point you've pretty much seen every movie we've covered. Yeah, I'm I'm close. Kick around some openings. I mean, uh, Godfather comes off of uh, mind. Lawrence of Arabia comes off of mind. And by the way, I think Lawrence of Arabia is the best. If you consider it a biopic, I think it's the best biopic ever made. I personally don't consider it a biopic. I think it's more of a character study. I think they could go away from the facts. I think when you're telling the facts, it's a little different. I think, yeah, that's, that's right. Maybe The Departed, I always like that opening scene of The Departed. Mm. A little flashback. Godfather's gotta be there, man. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. I do think that there are two areas where Patton ranks real high among the other Best Picture winners. One is the opening scene, and two is the lead performance. I think those are gonna be two things that I'll champion as we roll through this thing. Yeah. But, but how about like opening scenes just in, in general? Like you got favorites of movies? Like the, the opening scenes you love? You know what? One that, that I always, I love, com- not a Best Picture winner, but Ghostbusters. That always Great stuck with scene. me with the library. Yep. That scared the shit out of yep. me. And that scared the shit out of me <laughs> yeah. before the ghosts even popped in when they were like throwing the books, the, the books were falling. And then the, the fucking Dewey Decimal so System sick. cards yeah. were getting yeah. launched in the air. Look at the like, Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, two, two reference. I don't know. I still don't uh, know how to use it, but. My earliest memory of a jump scare. In my, yeah. yeah, my earliest yeah. memory of a jump scare. Oh, but he was amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of like the definition, I think, of a... Well, no, that's not fair. But it's a, it's a good example of an opening scene because it doesn't have any of the, like, the main characters, which I always like about opening scenes. Kind of like Scream. I, I kind of... Yeah, oh, I was just going to bring up yeah. Scream. Like, it's kind of like the, the, scene, the five-minute like, teaser that yeah. doesn't have the people in the movie. Yeah, sick. Scream I was thinking great. Glorious Bastards. What was the beginning? Mm, the great one, that? yeah. When he's at the farmhouse. On the, on the farmhouse. Oh yeah. my! Oh yeah. When they're hiding well, under like, the. This is the start under. of a movie. That's a great one. Yeah. Or um, crazy. You know, for, um, uh, uh, saving saving Private Ryan when they're storming. That was storm mine. That was mine. There, well, yeah. the opening scene is is the the present day though, right? I mean, what do you consider the opening scene? In to that? me, the opening scene is is it storming the beach? Yeah, it's not quite like Patton because it's extended. Yeah, you know. What's better? Okay. Saving Private Ryan, Jaws. Ooh. I actually. That's, that's, I think it's saving. Well, I'm going to get myself into trouble with some of these Jaws people. I I do, I, listen, it's, of course, it's great. It's iconic. It's scary. Yeah, I'm sure. uh, And all that. But I just, it's, that is like not my favorite part of that movie. Like, I think that movie is so much better beyond, like, when we get away from that. Like, right. I'm Robert into them Shaw. on the boat. Robert Shaw on the boat. Yeah, and 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 really, it's just Chief Brody running around the island in chaos. Like I love that stuff. I love him on the beach, like trying to fighting with the mayor, trying to figure out yeah. what's going. Like, that's my favorite part of the of, of the movie. And that's then Shaw, fair. anything Shaw is great. Yeah, that's fair. But it's like it's like the opening scene in Jaws to me is like I'm like all right, let's get through this. We know it's going to be. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you guys are you guys are right in the sense that that's like. 
the movie moment. Well, I got to say, though, Ghostbusters, man, I think that's the reason I'm a horror fan because it's so good. It's that jump scare. You're a kid, like you said, the dread leading into it, the jump scare, but then them running out of the building. Ah! Like, it's fun. So it's like, yeah, I'm scared, but I'm having fun. Unlike the never ending story where that wolf pops out and I just have nightmares for months and months. Oh, yeah, month, yeah. Months. Yeah, Ghostbusters yeah. would have been a great one to talk about, but you, in your recent fucking me- Twitter followers <laughs> couldn't vote for it. So, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> In recent memory, how about Social Network? Social Network at that beginning with the with Trent Reznor, like he's running through campus. Like I thought that was really yeah. good too. I like that's not one of my favorite Fincher movies. Yeah. I know I'm the complete yeah. minority with that. That yeah. uh, it's just it's. Uh, I did the Fincher rewatch pretty recently. What too. was the best for you? For Fincher, yeah. I bad battle between Seven and Fight Club. Yeah. Um, so know. many good ones. Yeah. Did we say the opening scene of Lawrence? Because I think that's how about the opening, opening scene of Seven with the gluttony? I don't know how extended in. Yeah. I Again, don't, when I think of Seven, I can't immediately tell you what the opening scene is, right. and I think that's important. That like, you have to problem. go to like, how did this movie open? What about right? Naked Gun? <laughs> <laughs> Was it O.J. Simpson in a wheelchair? Is that... <laughs> oh God. How about Ace Ventura when he's um, rescuing the dog? So good. So good. <laughs> we haven't covered a ton of biopics, right? I guess the King's Speech is technically one we haven't covered it yet, but... Oh, um, I like that movie. Yeah, so I, I, I don't... There's not a ton of, of biopic best picture winners, so I don't know. But uh, next question here. Uh, this is Mike from Mike from Cinemas, and uh, Oz, I'm going to direct this to you because you have a, a Cinemas tie-in to this question. Talk about Franklin J. Schaffner's career. Dude had a heck of a run bouncing from Planet of the Apes to, uh, to this, to Papillion. Uh, he's all over the place, but in a cool way. The reason I directed you to Oz is because you selected a Frank Schaffner movie for our Pla- own Joey R. on Planet Cinemas. of the Apes. Planet of the Apes, yeah. So t- t- talk a little bit about Planet of the Apes. The original, well, the Planet of the Apes series uh, is very uh, hit or miss, let's say, if you take them all. Let's talk the The, the first yeah. one is, uh, that's a yeah. that's a classic, um, like, idea, almost. Just, like, the idea of the whole thing. And the, the twist at the end, I don't think, can be, like, at this point, everyone knows it. Yeah, but could you imagine, it, yeah. like, that? I just, the, I always love I that. I think it's that. even on the cover of my Hell or High Watermelon yeah. uh, can. Unbelievable the Statue of Liberty, Statue of Liberty yeah. in, yeah. The, in the sand. Just a good, great job. I think that is a better movie than Patton. Overall, Ooh, hot takes, hot takes. Planet of the Apes, yeah, yes. the original. Yes, well, I agreed. think it is. Agreed, man. God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna commit to that question. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to wait on another day of that. But I'll say, I, I did watch Planet of the Apes for the first time this year. You, yeah, you, you selected it for cinemas yeah. for Joey. Oh, did you like it? And I think that episode should be coming out around the same time as this one, so you can check that one out, or or a little soon after. I think actually, guys, yours is next. With uh, you did the Third Man, the Third Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah Carol reads the Third Man. Uh, so that should be coming out, and then I think Planet of the Apes. That I did you like? Did you like Planet of the Apes? I loved the shit out of Planet yeah. of the Apes. I uh. was really kind of blown away with how good it was. It's something I've avoided because I think as a little kid I just kind of sawed the, the monkeys and got a little bug well, <laughs> and just stayed away. Like I'm like, this is weird. As a as a kid, I mean, it's not like you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna appreciate that younger because it's not like the apes don't look like awesome, especially compared to like now. You know, it's it's not like it looks yeah. great. It kind of can look a little goofy, but just. I mean, thematically, 
No, I, I thought it was awesome. I, I, I love me some Charlton Heston, yeah. despite what, yeah. what people out there say. Damn dirty uh, apes. Damn dirty apes. And then, of course, it just harkens back to The Simpsons and, and, and all that. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I really, really appreciated that movie. And, dude, I felt in some of those German interior scenes in Patton, I was waiting for some monkey heads to walk Hell out, yeah. walk, be walking around. Do a like, little merger. Of, like, it, it looked similar. Like, those scenes looked very similar. Like, Who wins, interiors. Patton or the apes? I think <laughs> I think Patton has a Patton real, probably wins. He has a real existential crisis on yeah. the planet of the yeah. apes. I, I, he sees that Statue of Liberty and he's I not think handling he, it as I well. I think as he as kills well. the apes, but then he he declares war on all other animals. I read your books, yeah. <laughs> you goddamn yellow bellies. Yeah, get out of here. That's it for the Twitter questions. So uh, hopefully, did I answer that? I don't know what I was the question. I don't think we answered either of them. It's okay. Oh, okay. Let's move on. <laughs> I think there was some question that led me to talk about Ghostbusters, right. and I don't remember. That's right. <laughs> okay, this is the the BPC Awards. This is where we hash everything out. We start with MVP. Who is the MVP of Patton? I'll get it started here. I think this is a pretty easy one for me. Maybe one of the easiest ones we've had. It is, in fact, George C. Scott, a wonderful actor, just a guy who totally deserves an Oscar, even though he denied it and. Did you see that? Like, he would refuse to accept it. He's like, the actors shouldn't you be in competition with each other. This whole thing's a sham. Keep, keep your Oscar. I kind of dig that. I think he, he, I think he did that in character. Too. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like Axl Rose not showing up to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was like, until you explain the process to how you nominate bands, I'm not showing yeah. up. That's I think, what he said. Didn't Scott Steiner do the same for the WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame? He's like, I don't understand the requirements, so I'm not coming. Where does the statue yeah. go? Hunter, Hunter Hearst Helmsley's bedroom? But my plaque goes up on his, his bedroom? Where who, is the Where is the Hall of Fame? Where who, is it? Who wins in a fight, Patton or Scott Steiner? I got to go with Big Papa yeah, Pop here. Yeah, yeah, but is Patton a better strategy? But uh, Patton's, I guess Patton's taller. We determined he's 6'2". Yeah. Hmm. Big boy. Steve, MVP here. George C. Scott. I make fun a little bit, but I think he crushed what they gave him. And, you know, I did read a bunch that... Patton had a really high-pitched voice, um, so that would have been tough to kind of for anybody to play that. But you know, we'll do the recast stuff uh, at some point, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Um, okay. You know, but I don't know if anyone else could could rock it like he did at all. I mean, he you know he crushed it. So yeah. he was the movie. Without him, it's to me, it's terrible. Yeah, they, they gave that high-pitched stuff to to Montgomery, the British guy, who's yeah. just like a, a whiny, sniveling uh, uh, non-entity. Yeah, that was that was tough. Us uh, MVP. Uh yes, uh, George C. Scott. We're, we're three for three on that. I think that's a no-brainer on this one. This is we. I think we we all kind of in agreement that if guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but if his performance is even like mediocre, this movie might not even be all in a mediocre movie. Yeah. You know, like his performance takes it to being able to argue the merits of this movie against the other best picture winners yeah. without that i don't i don't know what this would look like yeah slam dunk slam dunk mvp there uh lvp let's go a little lvp action who was the least valuable player uh, steve you were the lowest the lowest man here on the movie let's go with who your least valuable player was um I had the editor there for a bit, Hugh Fowler, and then mid podcast, I've I've, go, I've went back to the director, Frank Schaffner, because mm. um, I don't know, maybe they go hand in hand. I, I don't know. I, I just felt like they botched the war scenes, 
Uh, but maybe for 1970 it was awesome, and I'm just an amateur has no idea what I'm talking about. But um, I just didn't love the choppiness of everything, and it uh, it just felt broken apart and segmented and pieced together to make no sense at the end of it. Mm, all those, yeah. all yeah, those the presentation scenes. didn't didn't all work the war for scenes you. for me. Yeah, us uh, LVP. Uh, General Bernard Montgomery is my LVP. The performance, the portrayal, the uh, how it was written, everything about it, I think, was a complete disaster. I don't think the actor did anything to help the uh, the cause, but I don't think he was given. I don't think he was given anything at all. Um, I mean, if you look out, look up the man, mm-hmm. Bernard Montgomery. I'm sure there's like I don't know a lot about him, the real person, but his. Like commands held, his awards won, his positions. It's like has his own page, basically, like a like a Tom Cruise filmography. Yeah, yeah. And like I think they could have uh, done a better. I think it would have done Patton a better service to give him the real adversary as opposed yeah. to the goofball. That totally was, like, agree. Great around. point. Totally agree. Great point. Yeah, that was that was a big miss in this movie. Uh, I am going to go with Captain Oscar Steiger portrayed by Siegfried Rauch. He was our German exposition machine who uh, was a, a fictional character, completely fictional, that they put into the story just to kind of float some of that German narrative. I thought the German the German scenes as a whole could have totally come out of this thing. Uh, I guess I'm jumping the gun on that uh, section. Ooh, but, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think we needed that side of it. Uh, I appreciated that they were speaking in German and not, you know, just in, like, bad German accents. It's speaking in English. Uh, but, yeah, no, the, him rolling in and, and being like, we need to know more about this man. And he's like, well, he grew up in a farm, and he, uh, he, him and mom and his dad, they did not get along. Yeah. And it's like, come on, dude. What, what is this? this is, first of all, it's he, not how people talk. And he believes in, in reincarnation. They, like, jump to, like, <laughs> yeah, weird like, facts about he him. Actually, he believes in the reincarnation. Everyone's oh, like, oh. oh. <laughs> The German exposition machine had to go in this in this one, so that's my LVP. <laughs> uh, participation award. Show a little love to someone along the way. Uh, Oz, who did you give your participation award? I really loved the sound in this movie. Um, the sound is, and it's not. That's not something that really always jumped out at me, but it kind of just like hit me right away. Like everything sounded so good. The gunshots, uh, the dialogue, everything was very clear. Um, so I gave it to. It's listed as Doug Williams and Don, Don Bassman, who won a, the uh, the Academy Award for Best Sound. Yeah, the sound is a slam dunk winner in this one. I'm doubling up on Oz, by the way. I had that as well. Cool. Yeah, I mean it yeah. was it, it was booming. Yeah, it was booming. Sick. Sick. Yeah, the sound is great. It's for and for a 1970s movie, totally, totally nailed it. Good across the board there. I'm gonna uh, show a little love to James Edwards. Uh, James Edwards, who who played Sergeant William George Meeks. Again, James Edwards is a, was a real pioneer for for black actors and all that. And just God, in in my favorite scene in The Killing, Stanley Kubrick's Killing, just. It's it's like one of the sharpest scenes in what's awesome movie that people need to go out and see. It's an underseen movie. It's a shame that he passed away before this movie. Uh, oh, was, he did. Yeah, before oh. the movie came out. So That's unfortunately, didn't uh, didn't get to see himself in the one Best Picture winner uh, that he he was a part of. But uh, a, a really strong actor and uh, a, a a veteran himself. A, a, a veteran. So a lot of veterans involved in this one. But he was the first person to ever portray a black uh, fighter pilot on wow. film. Yeah. Oh. So. Yeah, so James Edwards for me. Uh, next, we go to 
time machine recast. Take anyone, any part of time. Put them in this thing. Get them in the DeLorean. Get them out here. By the way, I love the opening scene of Back to the Future, too, with the clocks and the, all that. Oh, oh my great stuff. goodness. Great. Yeah, this is, you're going to be thinking about this now. I should have asked you earlier. I'll go first and last, because I have two. Because this, this is a movie that needs some some finessing here. I'll start with... Uh, I feel like you're going to go with, with the British guy, right? Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll leave that one for last, because I have a guy who's in another Best Picture winner who I think would, would own that. But I'll, I'll start with uh, my guy, Carl Marlin. Like I said, too old. Too old for the role. The beauty of the time machine, guess, is we can pick anyone at any time. And I'm going to go with just a, just a great, one of the greatest actors who's ever lived. So it's always, you know, I guess who's going to pay the bills here. But this, this man went opposite George C. Scott in the remake of 12 Angry Men, which is a, a, a remake that everyone should go out and see. William freaking directed it. It's, I, I'm not a big remake guy. I know Joey R. is really not a big remake guy. He's, uh, but... Jack Lemmon, who mm. plays the uh, the Henry Fonda role in that, George like C. Scott that. is the is the the last man to turn the he- the heavy heel. Uh, the two of them on screen are just wonderful together. Can't can't say enough about it. And I, I think Lemmon would do the nice part of being that kind of that younger than George C. Scott, but friendlier, kind of making it work. And then as he passes him, still being stern with him, and then having the mutual respect. So I think that that would have turned this movie. Uh, up a up a major like major notch. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, Steve, uh, time machine recast. I did it for George C. Scott. Just Recasting the MVP. Oh, Here we I'm go. Just, oh. I'm and just the cover of the yeah, DVD with Leslie Nielsen. No, I'm just um, <laughs> <laughs> Same height. If I if he wasn't around, first I went uh, Christoph uh, Waltz. Am I saying that right? I always mm. mess that up. First I was thinking him. Then I was thinking Robert Shaw because I really like him from uh, from Jaws. But I ended up with uh, J.K. Simmons. He landed um, on an American, at least. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I don't know. I was like, oh, if George C. Scott wasn't around, because I don't think anybody else, I couldn't think of anybody else. And I was like, if I had to cast somebody else as that role, it'd be J.K. Simmons. Just, you think of him in, like, Whiplash? Yeah, I think of him yeah. in Whiplash. I could, I could see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he does he does those sort of nuances in, in Whiplash. Hits the guy. Yeah, Whiplash isn't well, that larger-than-life type of thing. The line that you said earlier that he delivered with such... Yeah, mm, confidence. He would have delivered it like yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I do think he could have pulled this off. Rod Steiger, who we are going to talk about next week in in the Heat of the Night, which was voted on by the people of Twitter as, as the movie we should cover to close out season four, turned down this role and considered it a major, major mistake. Yeah. And I love me some Rod Steiger. I can't wait to talk about him next week. Uh, I just saw I just saw Doctor Javago on the big screen at, at the uh, Cinema Arts Center, Steve you reference before blew me away and Rod Steiger to me was the best part of it but I'm um, looking forward to talking with him but he could have done an interesting things with this role too but no I don't I think this is George C. Scott this is uh, is it so much that he's in the sequel did you know there's a sequel to this to, thing to what it's a Patton yeah. like Straight to a DVD right a TV yeah. movie in the mid 80s yeah, yeah. that George Patton insisted <laughs> on doing because he feels like he didn't fully capture the essence of Patton of George Patton uh, I mean Dude, wait. So wait, they did it again. <laughs> they did like, like, oh, like I'm so what that. happens to Patton? Dude, I'm so glad you didn't make me watch that. Pat Pattonton too. Uh, <laughs> wait, is this a joke? No, this oh. is a, a TV movie yeah. in the '80s. But yeah, he's in there. So like, they just did the straight, movie again? Straight to TV. No, they did like what happens to him after, and he dies. In the straight to TV, and it was yeah. a flop. Yeah. Wow. That's tough. That's Boy. tough. 
Tuffy. Crazy. Didn't you quote? We didn't do my movie. recast. Oh, you I'm skipped sorry. my recast. Sorry. Oh, you sound like Chris now. Oz, your recast of so, Montgomery. Yes, of course. I mean, I've been very hard on him. He's my LVP, so I'm going to recast General Montgomery with Sir Anthony Hopkins. Oh yeah. And let's let's give, oh hell yeah. Let's give um let's give him the adversary. Let's give Pat the adversary I'm looking for, and I think that probably would be an awesome movie. Ugh. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I it wouldn't. That. I mean, he's got to be. I would need the time machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we think want to like, young him up. I think he's like, no, I think we need to... Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he was like 30-something when this... this in 1970. Like, like Mutiny on the Bounty Hopkins. Probably like mid-80s, right? Yes, yeah. because he was like 35 when the this... Late, late in, 80s, 19, yeah. in 1970, he probably needs to be like 50. So, yeah. 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 I, I thought David Divin from Around the World in 80 Days to call back to that. Oh, I, that's not I bad. I think he totally works. You know, he, he's not... Yeah, great like and around the early days but i think he could deliver that role with enough confidence where we're not obsessing over the little nuances yeah. and i think he could slide in and slide out where he's not taking too much attention away from that could be from, a problem yeah. with with hopkins yeah Although, you, you don't want to commit maybe this movie needed that he wasn't in yeah. silence of the lambs all that much was he true yeah. but i was thinking of christoph waltz for uh rommel that mm. was that was in the mix yeah yes yeah uh, okay, quotes of the movie. I don't think we put anything fully out there. I mean, this is a very quotable movie, so it's easy to do. I mentioned The God I Feel Alone. Uh, Ladao. Again, my French. Jeez, here we go. Ladao, Ladao, Ladao. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know even why I do this myself. Ladaos, Ladaos, Ladaos. Toujours Ladaos, which is uh, uh, that's, um, a, a French quote where they never really translated in the movie he just kind of does it and what it is is audacity audacity always audacity on why he never digs in always take the chance always get after it never punt fourth and 14 never punt i uh, thought that was cool um i had a couple others but i'll pass it along steve do you have a quote i do um i like it when his love for military history was portrayed i think that's cool because um, he read up on tons of other generals and, and stuff in the past uh, so my quote was, uh, quote, Rommel, you magnificent bastard. I read your book, unquote. Hell yeah. <laughs> love it. I love that. That was my favorite line of the whole movie. That's, um, that's great. And uh, it, it was from the book, uh, Rommel's book, Infantry Attacks. was the name of his book. Very cool. That must be a wild read. I just think as a general, like, I respect the fact that they're reading up, like, Teddy Roosevelt and these guys. Like, they read up on other people's stuff. Yeah. Um, to sharpen their well, skills, which is why it's a shame they didn't execute that German stuff better. Because, yeah. like, yeah. The, if you nuance that better rather than just expedition dumping, then that becomes a cool dynamic. Of them were, being obsessed with him. Wonder yeah. if they were worried about p- portraying the other countries in any decent light. True. You think they're the worried time. about portraying the Nazis in a poor light in the seventies? No, no. I mean, I mean, I think they were concerned <laughs> with portraying them in like a good, a decent light, like yeah, giving them okay. respect yeah. of like, oh. These guys can battle. We're going to read their stuff. Mm. You know, that might have. They gave know. them time. I mean, they gave them time. You no, know, in 1970, the, they, the, the movie makers thought the audience was ready for there's something def- like that. There's definitely some focus on the Russians because we're Cold War era here a little bit with that. But uh, Oswald Kochuk. So um, I didn't write down where it was, but that last rescue mission in the snow, I think it was in Belgium where he, there were, the, they were like, we can't get those pilots out of there. And he gave his, uh, Patton gave his like rah, rah, rah speech. One of his generals says to him, uh, one of his lieutenants says to him, you know something, general, sometimes they can't tell when you're acting and when you're not. 
and Patton's response is, it isn't important for them to know. It's only important for me to know. Uh, see, Which I love I that. Love yeah, that. Like it. his speeches, sometimes they were like he didn't believe they were gonna win, and sometimes they did. That's a but great like coach quote. The idea you know, like, is yeah. that they think we're that I think we're gonna win. Yeah, I have the the famous. Uh, well, the, the, you have the big scene in the Battle of the Bulge where they need the weather to be nice, and he wants them to pray, and uh, and. This is apparently this really happened, and, and he finally got to write the prayer and, and do all that, and then he, they gave him like a, an honorary medal afterward. But this exchange here, it, it, he says, you know, I, I want you to write a prayer for good weather so we can have this battle tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And the guy goes, well, I don't know how this is going to be received, General. Praying for good weather so we can kill our fellow man? Well, I can assure you, sir, because of my intimate relations with the Almighty, if you write a good prayer, we'll have good weather. <laughs> <laughs> cocky motherfucker so arrogant like, I know yeah, it's that's, so, like, his, that's his that's um, his he felt he was divine you yeah. know <laughs> oh good stuff um, scene of the movie Ozzy I think you said yours, I did right? mine yeah. Yeah. yeah which was what it was with um, jo- uh, Lieutenant or Sergeant George after uh, in that like I think it was the museum where he's really uh, where Patton's really like depressed about his his legacy and he really thinks he was you know he has a um he has a path and that's right after they he got in trouble for ripping on the russians yeah okay got it uh, steve you had a hard time with this CD yeah movie. hard time you know besides the opening monologue i would that's say it's a good answer i mean yeah, that's there's nothing wrong with it's that it's the best but yeah. if we're leaving that out for for shits and gigs uh, when he tells the the doctor put your helmet on yeah, oh, oh, I, did yeah. See I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, for me, it's it's I think right around the same point, and it's just the introduction of him to his new army and him coming in and starts with the guy sleeping on the ground and he goes, "Go back to sleep. You're the only one who knows what he's actually wants to do around here." And then he goes and he's like, "Wax the uh, the the poster off the wall and yep. just that whole stretch." I love a good like, here comes the hard ass to straighten up the squad type of thing you know it's in a lot of sports movies it's a lot and it just it, to me it's just I'm, I'm all in every time put your helmet on you put your helmet on you put your helmet on uh, I'm all about that so that to me was uh, was the, I also love that one of him going to the old battlefield and looking back on the, the people who have died there before and, and they, they fought they fought like the proudest men of the world and they were slaughtered <laughs> god damn this guy's a thick fuck cutting room floor what can we take out of this movie this movie is too long uh, I, I would dare anyone to argue with me on that I, I, this, this movie has stuff that can come out I mentioned before and I'll go first is I think the German stuff can come out I don't think we need it I think if you want to pitch me on executing it better that's fine but right now I need this movie to be shorter and paced better and that comes out uh, I, I get to the Battle of the Bulge and I don't care about it and that's a problem that's a problem I can't be fatigued at that part of the movie so you know I, I, I'm watching and I'm like why are these guys still marching in the snow cut the shit out I don't, I don't need these guys marching in the snow but it's like no it's the Battle of the Bulge you should, you should endure them marching in the snow you need to understand what they want better weather then pace the movie better in the beginning part so I'm pulling out the German stuff so awesome uh, I had some real terrible uh, flashbacks to the greatest show on earth with those news reports that they did. Oh, the news reports. I absolutely hated those. I know it doesn't save much time, but those, those have to go. And I don't think they fit the movie either. Well, the, the reason that they're there is they want the, the representation of the press because it was so important to the identity of Patton is, is that like, Man. 
how he's portrayed at home and how he is over there was great. I agree that it's not executed well, and it takes us out as viewers at this point. It, it and you know, but there is the point where he goes like off the record. I'm gonna beat him to uh, to Palermo. I kept Palermo. I kept thinking of um of White Lotus with Palermo. Oh yes, it's a little different tone. Palermo, what's she doing in Palermo? I'm being the gays are gonna kill me. <laughs> um, we but, gotta get her in one yeah. of these movies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's a good that's a good recap. next one. Just right. get her into um, the get her into in the heat of the night. Just yeah. Stick her in there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. But so you know, off the record, I'm gonna beat him there, and they go right to the newspaper. Patton says they're gonna beat him there. Like he never could get the play the game with the press. I guess this yeah. might have been just the inherent issue with the, like a biopic. Uh, I'm you're, not disagreeing. Yeah. They didn't execute. You're like uh, trying to tell this kind of like intimate story about this man, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, you know we yeah. got the press thrown in there. I don't know. It was like yeah. where did this come from? A little bit of a man. And I think I feel like all the King's Men we talked about too was a little weird. They were trying to do a little bit of that that yeah. Citizen Kaney kind of thing yes. going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, I had down the German scenes also. Yeah, yeah. Like I. I it's, I thought you were I, cutting everything after the opening scene. <laughs> I just cut. <laughs> just, just play the opening scene into Naked Gun 33 and a third. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's this it's comical those German scenes and, and yeah. being that long, it was it was just brutal. And same, I, I wasn't wanna, good. I don't want to steal what you were saying, but when it got to the Battle of the Bulge, I'm like, yeah, I felt exhausted. And I was like, "All right, I should. This should be more impactful." And they should have taken that, cut that out, and made that more of like a battle that wasn't just thrown together and not edited properly or not, you know, whatever went on in that cut room. They 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 should have taken the resources away from those scenes, those dialogue scenes where a bunch of mannequins are in the background doing nothing and <laughs> just one guy acting kind of like whatever. One inept god. Yeah. And just put that into a better war scene. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. This is to, this is where I go down the path where I just change the whole movie. Like, all right, let's take the German seat out. The the British general thing sucks. So yeah. now we're gonna just talk more about. We're gonna add Eisenhower. You know, like I'm now. Well, I'm but just that is part of thing. the issue, I think, with it. And you know, I think I'm a little higher on it than you two, but. You need stakes beyond just following this guy around. Just the in- like, but he's the crushing internal. it. He's crushing it. But it's Rich Harden dribbling yeah. down the court and throwing up threes. Like James. you're not winning a championship that way. James Harden. Oh, what is it? Yeah. Rich Harden. Rich, Rich Harden was. Did I say Rich Harden earlier too? You said Rich Harden earlier too. Oh, that one go. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna hear earlier the cast. Rich Harden? You're gonna hear earlier the cast. James Harden. Oh, Rich. <laughs> Rich Harden is a, is like the fourth starter on the Oakland A's from oh, the Moneyball. Yeah, yeah. He was from good. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Moneyball era. Like, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a I, I thought that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, are you watching, James Harden. Are you watching like 2002 baseball? No, I just, you know, I'm trying to make NBA references here and failing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll finally correct me now. Jeez, could have done that an hour ago. Uh, you, were, you were in a flow. I, I don't want to yeah. change it. Wonderful beard on James Harden, by the way. Yes. Wonderful yeah, yeah. beard. Great beard. Oscar reevaluation. I'm going to give you the awards that it was up for. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go two routes here. You're going to give me, if it can only win one along with Best Picture, what is it winning? And you're going to give me, if it wins them all except one, what is the one that you are prohibiting it from winning? Okay, so here's the 10. Let's listen along. We have, along with Picture, Director, Lead Actor, Screenplay, art set direction, sound, 
Film editing was the ones that won. Cinematography, score, and visual effects. So Oz, I'll have you go first. What are, what are you going to pick it to win if it can only win one with the best picture? I'll make it interesting and just like eliminate actors. Okay, because I mean, yeah, yeah we, we, is there a clear on me? Good, good, good call there. I mean, just as a George. Let's Scott, just eliminate actors. This is actually, I think, this is the movie that like nowadays would win actor and not picture. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be actor only this one. Yeah, it might not even be up yeah. for picture yeah. these days. But uh, okay, so let's take actor out of the mix. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to stick with my participation award with the best sound. Okay. Out of everything. Yeah, your picture sound winner. Picture sound. Like it. Have never happened, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, it should have happened with with a goddamn sound of metal, but uh, oh, oh yeah. yeah, Steve, you're not gonna agree with me here, but I'm gonna go with screenplay. Uh, I love the story behind the screenplay, yeah, and I love that they yeah. dusted off. They were yeah. they were lost with where they were going with the movie, and they're like, oh, "Who's the guy we fired? Like, let's see. He wait. Oh, he's working on the Godfather. All right, let's see what he wrote. You know. Oh shit, this is pretty good." And they like stay pretty true to it. So I kind of like that screenplay win. It's one of my favorite screenplay wins. The story so. about the screenplay is better than the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're, we're, we're legacy locking it into actor wins. So it would be a, a picture actor screenplay win for me. That's picture probably actor been sound done. win for you. P- picture actor screenplay is probably done. Done. Yeah. Picture actor sound, sound is an interesting. Should have happened with the sound of metal. There you go. Uh, Steve, what do you think? What are you, what are you giving it to? Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm a goldfish. Was costume design on there? No, it wasn't yeah. even nominated for costume. Yeah, design. I, I like the costume. Cool. Design. So let's give yeah. it one it wasn't even nominated yeah. for. I, I love, love that. it. I love I, uh, it. Yeah, I, I dug I, the costume I, design I too. I dug the costume design. I thought, and the guns were from the Smithsonian his, or whatever the hell it was from. Guns, his actual ivory yeah. handled guns. Yeah. I don't know. So I was like, I was, I was keen on all the the. the the clothes and the costume design, so that's what I would give it to. Although for continuity issues, I'm down on Ivory, you know, from uh, from our out of. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't, cool. I don't. Yeah, no, well, I none of that stuff be. is cool. No. no, no, I care about um, animals. I love animals. Hey, you know what? That scarf was not made from the fur of any animal. That I was hope a, not. That was Jesus. a great scarf he had. Yeah. He flopped it right over his shoulder perfectly. Yes. Now, of all of these, what is what are we taking away from them? So we're going to give him wins on everything across the board. What is it not winning? What was original about the screenplay? I'm not, I'm not even trying to be obnoxious. Okay, no, you know what I, I mean? I'm like, actually happy that you yeah. asked this question because this is a question that's arisen a few times in the past. So back then, it was described as screenplay on an original idea or real-life actions that have never been put to screen. So it actually used to explain what it is. And like we were yelling in the crash episode, like how is like good night and good luck original? It's like there's literally documentary footage in the movie. That's like, it couldn't be less original. It's a recording of someone else speaking. Like who actually said the things. So they did specify. And I guess over the years, they just stopped to be complaining. So let's just call it as a screenplay win. I'm just, I'll do it. I'm taking out the director. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Schaffner's out. And I know he's good. I know he's, the Apes guy. I know. I know he's got a good. He's got a good history. But I, there he goes. Um, I wasn't impressed with like the pacing of the movie, and kind of like it was a little, like I said, like the station to station nature of it. Like this is what happens, and this one, the flow. I feel like the flow wasn't there, and I think that's more on director than anything. Yeah. Steve, how agreed. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, the flow was was missing. Yeah. So I don't mean to be repetitive, but that, that's kind of what I would take away. 
I'm pulling out a win as well, and it's going to be for art and set direction. Uh, there were moments where I was impressed by some things, but there were also inconsistencies. I thought the German scenes were clownish. Again, Austin Powersy. Yeah, very um, Austin Powers. I, I know that someone will maybe say, well, the battle scenes, the way they were designed, the way they were set up, that's okay, but we're giving them visual effects. And I'm going to give, but like, I also felt like I was in a Hollywood studio during a lot of things. I think, um, Steve, you said, like, where was this filmed? Like, L.A.? Did it you look it up? That way. Did, did I we... believe it was filmed in Spain. Because they used a lot of Spanish, they used a lot of the Spanish military uh, setup. I think for that half and... the film's budget went to the Spanish military. It's kind of funny, like, scenes. we're all uh, agreeing that it sounded good. Oh, That's yeah, what it I'm, sounded great. Yeah, yeah, I think three of us agree that it sounded good. And the three, the three of us kind of agree that it didn't always, like, look great. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like it sounds good, it doesn't yeah. look. I, 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 I can't kill them on visual effects because at the time that they were yeah, doing, yeah, some, yeah, yeah, doing yeah. some good things. So yeah, you know, gotcha, we can't gotcha. compare it to you know Dune, which to me looks like shit anyway. So <laughs> the sandworms, Sorry, I the sandworm scene's amazing. I like. Dune. I don't like the movie. <laughs> I like Dune. Dude, don't say that out loud. Joey R is going to be after you. Cut it. Talk to Joey about it, and for some reason, Joey's. I enjoyed it, but Joe's all, all yeah. fired up. One to five performances. How it looks and how it's told. So we'll start with performances. Oz, I'm interested as to what you're going to say here. I'm going to give it a four because of the just unbelievably good top level. I don't know. I haven't thought about where this ranks with George C. Scott as far as singular performance against other singular performances. This could be top five. This could be top three. I mean, I think it's most certainly top ten of the Best Picture winners. Mm. And that greatness will carry the weaknesses of the other. I cannot give it a five despite how good George C. Scott is because I think everybody else is pretty bad. But I I have it pulled up from the three-ish area because of the greatness of the guy that... that, Well, you really said that well. You helped me hash out a lot of the problems that I've had with Mm -hmm. this. I'm going to follow you up with that four. I think this, when it's all said and done, could be the best if not one of the best performances out of these 95 96 movies we discussed it cannot get a five based on how poor some of the other performances and and poor isn't even the right word it's just like how nothing some of these before there's just there's nothing performances this movie there's people just showing up to work steve i think you call them mannequins there's a lot of mannequins in this movie and you can't give a movie a five when it has it even if it has the best performance of all time you need someone to dish and assist to it's poor in the sense that where, like we just we mentioned, Deer Hunter earlier. You got like I think three like bangers of, of performances at least on that. three. Yeah, but at let's just three. let's just take the top three, right? Let's at just at least take, three. Yeah. Honestly, maybe five. four, maybe five. five. Yeah, you know, maybe four, five. five. I'm already ready to fight in the ranking while, episode. On this one. <laughs> ready to go. While, I'm in season. Wild, wild George C. Scott, I think was probably better than any of them. If I have to do Correct. it, if I, I have agree. to do it, yeah, he's gonna be one. But then. The next five are Deer Hunter. The next eight are Deer Hunter. You know, so it's like it's hard to give Deer Hunter a five, and which I hope I hope I gave Deer Hunter a five. I was on the episode. I'm pretty sure. Pretty (laughs) sure I did. You know what? That was our last Fourth of July episode. That's how long season four has been. It was the last (laughs) Fourth of July. We talked Deer Hunter. Here we go. I hope if I didn't give it a five, I'm giving it a five now. Uh, It's it's complicated because he's portraying a real person, but this is kind of weird to say, but I feel like he almost makes the real. His performance takes the real person, makes it a little larger than life, and makes it almost fictional in the best of ways. 
where you just kind of believe that this is the this is the patent I want to believe, not that there was a real high pitched talking real guy. See, now I'm gonna do it. Now, but I'll just do. I'll just piss off some more people. Like, I would. This is ten times better than Daniel Day Lewis in Lincoln. Oh, I'm I'm actually, dude. I'm yes. Thank you for saying that because it's not even. I've been thinking about that all day. I'm saying is like. There's a self-serving thing to what Del- Daniel Day-Lewis yeah. is that. And, 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 and uh, yeah. I would yeah. definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a lot of Daniel Day-Lewis. But like, I'm scared to say anything negative about I just I'm just scared to say anything yeah, negative I mean, about him. Yeah, Lincoln was snooze. <laughs> you're in a safe place, Oz. You're in the trust I will tree. say this. You guys are putting George C. Scott up there as, like, one of the top performers of all time. Like, as far and as this, actors, this, perf- this, this, this particular performance, and I mean, he was yeah. awesome. I would, I, I would never even, I wouldn't do that at all. <laughs> I, I think, I think Tom Hanks in Saving Private Ryan is light years better than what George C. Scott was in, in Patton. I think every character in Deer Hunter is better than George C. Oh, Scott cool. in, Pat- right. in Patton. Yeah. De Niro, um, Walken, Walken, Kazal. Kazal, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And even John Savage or whoever. Yeah. Like, um, That's a good cast. Like, and Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, I don't know what's. It, it definitely could be my summer mode or, you know, I'm, I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants over here. <laughs> but, like, the more I think about it, the more comical his performance <laughs> wow. was to me Damn. compared to these other people that I just mentioned. Um, like Tom Hanks to me in Saving Private Ryan, the dude made me cry. Like, yeah. and I get it. It's different people. It's he a, takes the gun shooting at the yeah. tank. That's from Patton, though. Yeah, that's, he, it that is. was his own touch. That was own Hanks' own touch. He wanted to channel his Patton. Dude, I, I love it. Let's get it. Let's get when it. when we cover um, when we cover that movie, that's going to be one of my nitpicks. Somewhere so, at home, Zeta Schwartz like, thank you, Steve. I just don't <laughs> think it. I just don't think it's like the greatest performance in the world. I think many actors today. Would, would would crush that performance and we'd all be saying the same thing like yeah. oh shit like that was a really good performance so what's your number for performances for three Batman? three okay well, it's not that hard so, yeah you still think it's good I still think it's good but like it's not the I think that's fine yeah, yeah it's a solid okay. three how the movie looks how it's presented on screen uh, leave it a two two yeah harsh I think it's a I could be talked into a three it's kind of like a it's a strong two mm. it's strong. I think it looks fine other than how it sounds i don't think it does anything look wise that's great comparatively speaking same as oz i was thinking a two two and a half or something if we're doing halves we're not yeah i know i know (laughs) um i can't be talked into a three so i would say a two how it looks man when this movie started after the opening scene and they go to like the vulture and they show like the panoramas i'm like wow we're gonna have another fucking five on our hands here um the movie just doesn't stay consistent with how it wants to look like, now we're yeah. moving into Dutch angles. Now we're moving into, like, these camera pannings where he's walking down the stairs and then he shows up on the other side and then the random POV with the, with the breathing into the mirror. It, 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 there's a lot of Belgian wishers going yeah. on in this thing. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's... I have fun with that stuff, but I could see how it could be distracting and I can't necessarily grade up. And I think some of the interiors were not good when they're, like, ducking under the thing and they're like, there will never be another plane attack. Like the, the, it, it looked like Pee Wee's Playhouse to me. Like I, I, the interiors were not great. Pee Wee's Playhouse. Now that's a great show. <laughs> that's a five visually. Five. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go three though because I do think there's some good effort there and it's a good gets a good slap on the ass three for me. More of a pat on the ass. Story how it's told. Sure. 
I'm I'm comfortable giving this a two. There are th- things happening thematically. I do agree on leadership on when you have a when you're in a war and you have a group that you're trying to take to victory safely. Are you injured or are you hurt? You know, kind of kind of thing. I think there's enough there mm-hmm. where it's. I like some of it, but I think the better stuff didn't happen in this movie. Mm. The, the the like I think I'd rather see the the thematically the relationship between him and Eisenhower and just call it a day. Yeah. That's yeah. it. More themes than Titanic, Oz? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Titanic's yeah. pretty. Uh, come you said on, that's ninety five, right? I still <laughs> have it ninety five. <laughs> Story how it's told. Steve. One. Mm, we have a one. We have a one. Wow. I, agree I love with, a good one. I wanted to see some Eisenhower stuff. I get why they did that. I agree. You, Kieran, you brought up like air and, and, and the Jordan stuff. And I don't know. Like nothing slapped except for George C. Uh, Scott's like solid performance. I mean, nothing else really did it for me and I'm, I'm trying to I think I've gone really downhill here with this whole movie this whole yeah. podcast but it makes it interesting and fun yeah you so. never know where that plunge is going to take yeah, you it's, it's a goes. big plunge I, I do think thematically there's a lot here to look at I think that when when you you know when you give this movie the time of day for another watch it gets yeah. it, it, it gets rewarding I don't think the story's told perfectly I think it kind of does reek like a movie that's two separate screenplays of people who have never met before, which is exactly what this is. They didn't meet until they accepted the award together. Amazing. We talked about that with Rain Man's, the other one with that too, where they, the two, two screenwriters didn't meet until they were accepting their wow. Oscars. Uh, so there's, this is a, a little bit problematic in this category in that sense, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it the three. I'm going to give it the five, three, three. Right, Just yeah. because it's, it's, it's Coppola written, it, and it, to me, it, it was a good vision on his end. They took his, they dusted off his script and turned it into a, a best picture winner. Uh, I like the one liner nature, him like mapping it out, like wire style on a board, like this quote, this quote, this quote, and kind of building the script that way is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's an, and there's enough themes to, to float this thing for me just to, to counteract the Titanic situation. Um, yeah, it, uh, I actually think Titanic has wonderful themes too, Oz, that I've told you that in the past. But Titanic or, uh, or Patton? I don't have to answer that right now, do I? Uh, no, I. No. I mean, this is your show. Do whatever you want. Pass. Right. Pass. Sorry. Which there will a, be a day where I have to a, answer which, that. Which one's better? In the rankings, you can't answer you that. Pick. I know exactly what you'd answer. <laughs> Come on. Titanic we'll by leave it for another Titanic day. by an iceberg. Patton. We'll leave, it, we'll leave that for the best picture cast finale, where we have to rank all ninety-five movies at once. Patton or the Batman? Movie. Patton. Look at my face. Take a picture of my face and I'll put it on Instagram right now. <laughs> the new Batman or Patton. Naked Gun 33 and a third over the Batman. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> the movie should be unmade. Okay. Okay, so Oz, it ended up being a 4-2-2. A 4-2-2. Four, four, two, two. The rare 4-2-2. Two, two. Yeah. A 5-3-3 three, three for me. So we're on the same yeah, wavelength, but just a little, a little lower. Cool. And, yeah. and, and Steve, you had the 3 Two, two one, one. Oh, that's, three that's two bad. one contest. <laughs> I love it. That's fantastic. You don't like this one. I like it. Okay, um, okay. Recommends if you just watch Patton 
if you need a patent cleanser or if you need uh, to get fired up and keep going, however you viewed this thing, where, where are you going next? Oz, you're, you're excited for this. Yeah, I went, um, I kept it in like, what is war? What does it mean to lead? Um, the intricacies of war, uh, that kind of area. The uh, 2004, um, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Team America, America World Police, yeah. and I'm pissed. I'm I think this yeah. grand uh, posts up on Instagram. And he didn't. He didn't know I was doing this. But yesterday he put a, a Team America thing uh, yeah, for Fourth of July, and I'm like, "Damn it, that was my oh, recommend, amazing. you motherfucker!" Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Team America is wonderful. A wonderful, wonderful film. Let's. Uh, I mean, you, the the brilliance of those two with with Trey Parker and Matt Stone is that like no one's safe. No, they rip yeah, on no, everyone. They, they rip and on everyone. And in this movie, they get everyone. They get like fan fucking test. Yeah, they get everyone. They they yeah. don't like no one. They're not picky and choosy about who they make fun of. That, yeah. That's like the best good, kind of satire. Good Fourth of July movie. We were kicking around Jay Dowski and and Joey R and, and I think Grant. it's a great we were one. Yeah. Fourth of July movies. Of course, Independence Day came up. Of yeah. course, uh, uh, Jaws came up. But the, Team America is a good Fourth of July movie to watch. I think there. so. Um, Steve, I was going to say Gandhi. Um, <laughs> God, have you seen one? Gandhi? <laughs> Just joking. Oh my God! Uh, Didn't that win? Like, That's a winner, right? After, yeah, believe me, it's a winner. After watching, not it. After watching this, I would need to really boost myself back up again and watch Bridge Over the River Kwai because. Mm. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know. That would make me like appreciate films, films. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make you love films. Wow, this this shook your love yeah. of film. What's oh on the Huntington God. Cinema Art schedule? Yeah. We got to get him there. To really Steve just wants to surf on the beach. He doesn't want to have to be forced uh, to sit down and watch. He, 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 no screen was, time. Steve. I'll be honest. It was a tough watch. I, I went to Montauk and I surfed at Ditch Plains and I slept on the beach and I came home and I watched Fatten. And it was a tough. It was a tough watch. Shook his it. love of he film. Did, yeah. Oh my goodness. Jeez. Tough assignment. Well, I guess he's. I guess he's on for Cimarron. Next, <laughs> damn! I've, I've, Gandhi is not going to help you appreciate film more. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, okay, so mine. I mean, I kind of. I think I talked myself into a Grand Torino before. That's fantastic. Oh, that's a, yeah. But no, uh, no. But so, uh, so I'm going on uh, uh, with Adam Hitchcock, who was on our on our Return to Rayman episode. I'm going on the circuit first to do. He does the uh, the uh, March Madness. The tournaments are categories. great, right? Yeah, they just did the sports movie. One came out with Andrew Corns. Oh, Joey R has been on. I know, yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. times. He did his uh, he did his uh, 2022 movies, and he did and he the, the superheroes, superheroes so. which is you know regrettable. Uh, but <laughs> he's fantastic in both. Corns did a great job with the sports. Now, let me ask Steve this one because this was the hot button issue. Steve, which movie would you pick to advance in a March Madness sports movie tournament? Space Jam or Bring It On? Bring It On is a cheerleading movie, correct? Yes. Bring It On. Hell fucking... Really? Yes, Steve. Give me that high five. Andrew Corns is high-fiving us out. It was a big controversial yeah. thing. It was a great selection. Bring It On is the shit. Yeah. I, it is. And Space Jam. Come am, on. I wrong? am I getting this mixed up? Is it Spirit Fingers in Bring It yeah. On? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and totally and Bring It On. Oh, yeah. And Eliza Dushku is a goddess. That movie uh, was one good. Of my, she hotter than Lola Bunny? I don't, I don't know. She's... Uh, Eliza Gunn. Dushku is, is number one all time. Only, the I only, really one, who, like the only one who rivals Jennifer Connelly. So. I really like uh, the Looney Tunes. Sorry, yeah. I'm a Looney yeah. Tunes guy. You're like also a Bulls fan, let's be honest here. The, the monster. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, I oh, stuck I love with. That. Oh, I you're love that we did that. Braves fan. Don't start. Uh, Don't no, start. No, I'm with not criticizing you, but I'm just you saying you said you, it you with were, disgust. You, I appreciate your disgust. Bulls fan. Was you've remained a Bulls fan over the years. I'm just saying your Space Jam feelings are skewed because of Michael Jordan's presence. Uh, Bill Her, Murray's in there. Wayne Knight too. Newman. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bring it on. Her parents don't get it. Her boyfriend says forget it. The friends who voted her in now regret it. But does she got game? Bet on it. <laughs> so they had bring it on, knock out Space Jam. Yes, and, and the host, Adam Hitchcock, was very, very upset. The freak? Oh, uh, yeah, he did. But uh, And then I, I messaged him that I agree. And he also I've never seen Bring It On. Oh, go check it out. It's a wonderful film. Maybe that's actually my recommend for Patton is Bring It On. There we <laughs> okay, go. let's yeah. go. No, uh, so I, I'm going on for Tom Cruise. I'm doing a Tom Cruise March Madness. All his movies in a, oh, in yes, a, I in a March that. Madness I knew that. So I watched uh, Born on the Fourth of July. We talked about all yes. this one before. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's recently been put on Netflix. I would check that out. That gives a good juxtaposition of of like war, uh, the war at the time. The movie's not perfect, but it's a it's a hell of a performance by Cruz. Maybe one he probably should have won the Oscar for. Uh, but love me some Tom Cruise and Oliver Stone is a little complicated. I don't love oh, yeah. later Oliver Stone, yeah. but that era Oliver Stone I'm in on. So yeah. Born on the Fourth of July would be my recommend. So Oz, you have Team America, Team America, World Police, World Police, Steve Bridge. Over the River Kwai. And I am going with Born on the 4th of July. So uh, there we go. Uh, okay, one last thing before we let Steve go to bed after this <laughs> traumatic experience that he's gone through here today. Uh, we don't talk about who should have oh, won. Oh, we got to rank. Sorry. 1 to 92, where do you think Patton lands real quick? 65 to 70. Yeah. 70 seems right for, for me. It's kind of a running joke that we always say, like, eh, in the middle somewhere, like around 45. Yeah. Right? I feel I, like I've done 65 to 70 I kind of feel like this is a middling movie for me. Like, I, I feel like I'll defend it a little more than others. Maybe it's one I appreciate more as we go. If I give it a rewatch, I will. But um, I'll, I'll go 57? I like 57. That. What yeah. did you say, Oz? I'm going to say, well, so you do 57, I'll do 67. I think, okay. that, sounds, right, I think that, that works with where we were. Again, this is uh, not a Who Should Have Won podcast, but we do like to talk about the other movies or... We do talk about the movies, whether we like it or not, that uh, did not win Best Picture, mm-hmm. but were nominated in that year. And, you know, for 1971, I got to say, I'm, I've seen all these but one. Oh, I good. Have, I'm pretty good this year. I'm, I'm pretty good to go. I'm interested to see if I you like guys it. have seen any of these. We will start with uh, a movie that I referenced a little earlier, and it is also on or uh, the AFI Top 100. And as Robert Altman's MASH, probably the runner-up in this sense, you know, you'd think. Donald Sutherland, Ilya Gold, uh, MASH, the staff of a Korean war field hospital use humor and hijinks to keep their sanity in the face of the horror of war. So this is the TV show came after the movie. So what do you know about MASH, Oz? Do you say it was top 100 on... The AFI top 100. Holy shit. Um, I'm way more familiar with the show like i could hear the theme of the show in my head right now um but that's the movie i i've never seen it uh, aware of of its presence i know what it is but i have not seen that movie uh, anything about uh, mash steve mash with an m or nash m- mash with mash, an m the show yeah. the longest yeah. running show but it, yeah but it was started with a movie and it was up for best picture this year no, no, not not really. Just same with Oz. Like I remember seeing it on growing up, and my grandparents watching it, but I don't know much about it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm trying trying to watch the, all the AFI 100s, yeah. and 
This is the worst one that I watched out of I say, all. Yeah, I didn't think it was like highly thought of as a movie. I, I thought that's it was, was terrible. Shocked. It's a comedy yeah. that's unfunny. It was It's shock value comedy at yeah. the time. It's like an anti-war comedy type of deal. I didn't find it funny at all. Sure. I was fucking counting the seconds as they were passing while I was watching this thing. Uh, I found that I just don't like Robert Altman. Uh, okay. He's done nothing to redeem himself for me. Uh, yeah, I, it's shocking to me that that's on the AFI Top 100. So for all you MASH lovers yeah, out there, I, was, um, I, I did like a double take when you said that, and I haven't even seen it. I just didn't think it was like that highly thought of, I guess. Yeah. The other one, this is the one that I haven't seen, and this is Airport. Uh, Airport, kind of like a star-studded event here. Uh Directed by George Seaton and Henry Hathaway. A bomber on board an airplane, an airport almost closed by snow, and various personal problems of the people involved. So kind of like a bunch of stars crammed into this thing. Burt Lancaster, Dean Martin. Wow. Uh, George Kennedy tie back to uh, The Undertaker and, and Leslie Nielsen. So there he's there for SummerSlam 94. Uh yeah, I don't, I don't know, guys. Uh, have you seen this? You have anything about no. it? Airport? I think it is what Airplane is spoofing, if I'm not wrong with that one. But, yeah, so don't have much, don't have much to say on that one. So the, the last two that we have to say. Um, this is one that I watched this week for this. And, okay, so this was shockingly, it's called Love Story okay. is the name of it. And it, it was... I watched it, and, and first of all, I want to say I liked it. I enjoyed it. But it was, it's, it's a, okay, it's a, it's a young couple, uh, meet in college. Uh, one, is, one is very rich. One is not so rich. Families don't get along. Girl dies at 25. Oh. It's in the, they tell you in the first scene is that okay. she tragically passes away, and it's like their love, like love story. It's like lost love and all that. Um, real kind of nice little story, like a 90-minute deal. Uh, I, I dug it. I was, you know, I was in, emotionally invested early, smiles on your face, tears at the end kind of deal. 90 minutes is nice. But I'm watching, like, this was up for best picture? This is so odd to me. And then you do more research. It was, like, one of the number one grossing movies of the year. So this is, like, a, a mega box office hit. End up for a million Oscars. It wins score, by the way. Beats Patton for score, wow. which is hilarious. And it, it's a really good score. But just a little while. Ryan O'Neill is the lead Struck in Struck a nerve, uh, I guess, in one yeah. of those like, moment-in-time movies. Yeah, and yeah, and I guess, who, I mean, here, was... here, and, you know, I think Twitter, film Twitter hates it, you know, because it's oh, like really? a basic, you know, oh, just a basic love story. Cool. Even in the title, love story. Yeah. But hey, I mean, I can say, I, I can, maybe I'm basic. I'm basic. Yeah. I dug it. Yeah. Ryan O'Neill, who I gave some shit for being in Barry Lyndon, but I... I I don't know. I thought I he was And our dude Ray Land from the Lost Weekend plays the uh, the stuffy rich dad, and he's just fantastic. maybe it was kind of like a balance of the nominees. I mean, we got two war movies. A what sounds like I mean, Airport sounds like a, kind of like a heavy movie. I don't know, yeah, no, I think it's more of a oh, is it? Uh, yeah, I, don't, I started like, like cameo oh, okay. laden, you know, kind of yeah. another blockbuster deal. Um, and I got to say, nominated for supporting actor John Marley, who you'll better know as the guy who wakes up with the horse in his bed in The Godfather. Oh, um, hell yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll never producer. get that picture. Yeah. Uh, he's in the it. Producer. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah he plays the, the girl's dad. and he's. Really oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I, listen, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah. You can stream it. It's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's worth the watch. I enjoyed it. But, you know, sorry, Film Twitter. He likes to hate on movies that people have never heard of. Dude, I, I put Boz as the director of Pat, and Film Twitter's already mad at us. <clears throat> uh, and one last one that we uh, got to do here. It's... Uh, a Jack Nicholson starring film. I think this would have been my best picture winner of this year. Five Easy Pieces. Have you guys heard of this no. one? 
No. Jack Nicholson portrays a guy who's basically struggling with his uh, struggling with his place in life, and he's you know trying to find the right girl, and they're not really connecting with him, and he's uh, having trouble as he goes. But a, a really great performance from him. I mean, it's, I don't, it's not going to stack up to like a patent type of deal, but it's like the un the underspoken about Jack Nicholson movie that I think. Everyone really should should try to check out. Is that so. before Cuckoo's Nest? It is. Yeah, this is seventy. Cuckoo's Nest seventy five. So and hour thirty eight minutes. So you don't have to spend three hours watching. Uh, Sounds great. So they we, they picked George the, Patton's fake eyebrows. They picked know? the three. It sounds like there was a lot of short movies this year, and uh, except Patton. Yeah, a dropout from upper class America picks up work along the way on oil rigs when his life isn't spent in a squalid succession of bars, motels. And other points of interest. Sounds like it so, rocks. Yeah. yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great film. It's a maybe that's a lot. Make you love film again. Let's put <laughs> yeah, this that's on. right. Yeah, maybe maybe you need five easy pieces to put yourself yeah. back together. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> All right, guys. This uh, this has been fun. I, I've I've had a blast with it. Uh, it's uh, I think the first time ever where maybe we're shorter than the movie. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Really, yeah, we're hey. coming in it. Before edit, we're under two hours and forty minutes. Uh, oh yeah, during the break, that's Chris. pretty good. Yeah, that's we did it. Good. Uh, Steve, you made it. I'm sorry that this made you uh, question your love of film, but you know, I, no, I had an absolute blast, and I think I was a little bit, you know, a little bit harder on the film just for that's good. theatrics. Yeah, make, make it I like fun. It. I like yeah. it. Uh, I make like it fun. It. It, you know, movie kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> But George C. Scott, great actor. What was the movie I really loved him in? Um, real quick, uh, he was that, like searching like like uh, strip joints oh, the, and things. It was real uh, uh, porno gritty. movie, right? It's like yeah. a porno movie. It isn't a porno, in. but he's but like it, a, no, he's like looking for his, a relative or. A, is it called Hardcore? Hardcore with George yeah. C. Scott. It was one of the first movies I saw with him. He's a great actor, and he did a fine job with I had to be real careful about what I googled yeah. with all that it was very, very <laughs> touching uh, and I didn't mean to compare him to, to Leslie Nielsen although I do like <laughs> Leslie Nielsen a lot so. for the record I, I googled George C. Scott underground gritty movie <laughs> be, be careful about all the other things that were but no, the other so, buzzwords I, I, had, I had a lot of fun doing this so thank you yeah. uh, Oz yeah hey we did it yeah, I brought you out of the 30s here for one yeah well I mean like you I said that Daisy. last time, and you gave him to probably Miss Daisy. Yeah, yeah, I got Daisy and Patton. Yeah, it's all right. Oh, I'm, man. I'm happy to do them, you know. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, all good things must come to an wow. end, as, as Patton said himself, I think, at one time. Uh, no, this is this is good. Um, I I just never know where one of these are going to take us. Nah. And I think, you know, I, I, don't, I can't say this is going to be one of our most listened to episodes. Who knows? But I, you know what? I think this was a fun conversation. I think we had a blast. This was fun. Laps. That's we, it. We, this you know, was you fun. didn't get your Grant Z. You didn't get your Artie B. No. You didn't get your Joey R. Or no. your Chris G. So, no. uh, but I'm pretty happy with the uh, the team we put <laughs> together here today. We all wore our helmets, and we all uh, no one dug in. Right. No one dug in. We were constantly moving. Followed forwards. orders, and we uh, we made it through. Very yes. obedient crew. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on all the socials at Best Picture Cast. We want to hear what you think. 
please come at us. If if you agree with Steve B and you don't like uh, you don't like the positives, come at me. If you love this movie, you know Steve B wants to hear you too. I will read everything uh, that you say directly to him. Uh, at Steve on film, Steve is that? Yes, yeah, it's still it's still semi-active. I got, yeah, so I gotta, go get I him. You had a good thing going there. You're picking I, up followers left and right. Gotta, you got to get that going. I got to dust it off. I've been yeah. Uh, now that I'm around a little bit more, I'll, I'll, I'll dust it off. <laughs> yeah, when you you know you're taking a break from the surfboard, you lay on the beach, get some sun, pop in a uh, you know what Humphrey Bogart was doing back in 1942. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for all your support, all your listenership, all of your follows. We appreciate you, especially if you've made it to this to this juncture of the podcast. Uh, it could be just me uh, talking here, so I appreciate uh, my co-hosts here tonight and all that join us and everyone listening. Uh, without you, there's only me. So uh, we will see you next week for In the Heat of the Night, the last episode of the season. We got rankings coming your way. The season four rankings will be soon after that. Sub 50 rankings, all that. We'll see you then. comment that's gonna piss some people off i love it <laughs> making boss the director might uh i get people oh, going to joey will scream this thing <laughs> Baz. i love how he says it Baz. okay actually he believes in the reincarnation everyone's oh. like oh, oh. now like, now we're on, now we're starting to sound like asian we should probably <laughs> stop we should probably stop that cut that cut that, cut that. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah.